Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Windows Weekly with Richard Campbell and Paul Thurot, episode 818, recorded Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, Antitrust Theater. Windows Weekly is brought to you by Melissa, more than 10,000 clients worldwide in retail, education, healthcare, insurance, finance, and government rely on Melissa for full-spectrum data quality and ID verification software. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free at melissa.com slash twit. Thanks for listening to this show as an ad-supported network. We are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience. Are you ready to grow your business? Reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now. It's time for Windows Weekly, the show we cover the latest from Microsoft, but our two hosts have have news of their own. On your left, Paul Therott in the now vacated home. Practically <laughs> empty, although... It's you know, just me and the mice. You and the mice. Just kidding. There are no mice. Therott.com remains his home on the worldwide internets. Mm-hmm. He also uh, writes his books at leanpub.com, sells them there too. With him on your right... Mr. Richard Campbell, who is in the Auckland Airport. At this very moment, yes. There's there's my... Uh, Your New Zealand what's the, holiday. What's the time zone change situation for you? It's not that bad. It's like five hours plus a day, right? Like, it's, the day, it's the day that really does you, it. Yeah. Five hours plus a day? What are you, in so, Mars? Yeah, I, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I got on an airplane Monday night. I got off yeah. the airplane Wednesday yeah. morning. There was no Tuesday for me. Right, okay. You're lo- yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other hand, when I go home, I will come back. Uh, I will arrive home six hours before I left. Right. What? I love it. Wow. This time zone is complicated. You While you're gone, we're going to invent flying cars. You'll you'll be really happy when you land. <laughs> in the future. So you have another flight waiting for you when? Uh, in, a, in a few hours. I, I'm, I'm skipping down to Queenstown, which is not okay. too far away. But okay. I, have, I, have a wedding, I have a wedding to officiate tomorrow. Nice. Oh, that's right. Nice. Did you bring your preacher clothes? I did. Uh, we were a little more dressed down this time, so no suit and jacket. But uh, there's been some vows batted back and forth, so we're See, tinkering with vows. So, but that's normal. I dressed for the wedding, but uh, you, you, you look like you're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Wedding all dressed up or a funeral, one or the other. I don't know. I got a wild hair. I thought, well, I'm just gonna I'm gonna dress for the job I want, not the job I have. There See. you go. And apparently what I want to be is a funeral I, mean, I feel director. like you might have jumped on that a few years ago. <laughs> That's a little late. <laughs> I'm dressed like a podcaster. Can't you tell? Look at that. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh-huh. Sure. Like a podcaster, I'm an influencer. You don't have pants on, right? That's right. The That's the difference. <laughs> um, so this was an interesting week uh, in Windows land mm-hmm. because Microsoft kind of surprised, maybe didn't surprise you, but surprised me with this 22H2 announcement, this cumulative update, um, which I'm now installing over here. I installed it on my Windows on ARM Macintosh and actually got some of the new features, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I, my, I had already linked your phone to my Samsung, mm-hmm. so, but so I didn't try the iPhone linking. I'll try it You can it have here. multiple phones. Well, so you can't, actually. So this oh. is one of the many lies about this release, so don't even worry about it. Oh. 
All right. Well, let's <laughs> we let's will, talk about it. So we this will get is to this. moment two. It's a the moment of yeah. confusion you talked about earlier. <laughs> That's right. Last week. So the first moment you recall was in November slash December when Microsoft added tabs and a new home screen and whatever else to File Explorer. Um, that one was a little bit of a cluster because it was unreliable and unpredictable. And you may remember my complaining about uh, multiple machines all upgraded completely, all with different experiences. Yeah. Um, they also added the search pill, as we call it, without telling anyone they were doing it and without testing it. Um, so that was kind of a mess. And, um, and not everybody interesting... either, right? Like not right. everybody got the pill. Right. That's right. Exactly. Right. Although I think by this point, everyone, I, right before yeah, this uh, update now. came out, yeah, everyone eventually did get it. But that, that's what I mean. It was unpredictable and kind of unreliable. So for this one, I, I, I really want to give Microsoft some credit with, with a big asterisk, <laughs> you know, which I'll get to in a moment. But this release plotted its way through the uh, beta and then the release preview channel in a normal fashion is released this month for, um, well, last month, I guess, the other day, for uh, people that want to seek it and go get it, right? It's not automatic. And then it will be available to everyone next month. I'm sorry, this month, March 14th-ish, um, with Patch Tuesday, right? So this is this is kind of back to form in a way, right? But right. the asterisk is, two days ago, yesterday was February, the last day of February, was the last Tuesday of February was the mythical week E that does not exist in Microsoft's Windows update schedule. And that's not when you release preview security updates. You release those like a month before the general release. So when Microsoft started talking about this moment thing, I think the assumption was we would get the preview seeker version, if you will, in March, and then the final version in April. But they actually just rushed it right out the door. So, so we're having a um, moment here. Now, with that out of the way, and it did break some things, like companies like Starduck that do um, oh, no. shell extensions are all broken now because of oh, this, no. I'll explain why. Um, but they all knew it was coming. They just didn't think it was happening this fast. This is part of the you know the uh, the regurgitation problem here that Microsoft has. This is I think of this as the Netscape model: the uh, fix it or, or ship it and then fix it later kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I, I, other than that, which I you know is a problem, um, I would say at least in my experience, because I install this on a bunch of computers, including an ARM computer, including in Windows on ARM on a Mac, uh, reliable and, and predictable. Yeah, uh, you know, which is yeah. the one thing that was missing last time. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was uh, pleased. I mean, it was a pretty quick install. I'm installing it right now in my actual Windows mm -hmm. uh, ThinkPad, but uh, this morning I installed it on the um, on the Windows with ARM. So you have a Mac running uh, running in uh, parallel. Yeah, we're gonna get to that in a little while. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, but yes, I Good. did. And um, Good. I think yeah, that's there's fair. some interesting things that came out of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, before that, let's let's talk about the this update and what it is, you know, and what it isn't because <laughs> there's, you know, Microsoft communication remains as elegant as always. Um, so I already talked about the schedule. Um, the biggest feature they touted is not much of a feature, although there is a big change in here that I think is important. And that's the search icon on the taskbar, which is turned into a search box like we used to have in windows 10. Um, yeah. It's got bigger I, and the pill gets yeah. bigger, even bigger. Right. It's a horse pill now. So uh, Microsoft is advertising this as Bing AI on the taskbar, which is absolutely not what it is. Um, it's a search box. It has a Bing icon on it. And depending on where you are uh, signing up to re or registering to be part of the Bing AI preview, 
what you see here will be a little different, but it will always involve going to a web browser, which means there's no Bing AI in Windows. This yeah. is they did not suddenly you know add AI is? to Windows. And uh, I think uh, Zach Bowen said this, or no one of. One oh of no, I said this first. You said it, it's he an, wrote an ad, article about it. I tweeted an, about it. The you you okay? Yes. Credit to this yes. guy, Paul Thorat. No, oh, I immediately jumped on this. It's an ad for Bing. Is what it is. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. He did. Say, okay. He said that it, it's, it's a. It's just a big. It's a. It's, it's a, a. What I said was a. It's, it's a Bing icon it's that a does Bing nothing. Ad. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's like he did say that. We got we got it right here, but you got open edge. It's almost an ad for Edge. Well, but there's okay another asterisk here. Here's an interesting thing. So on all of my computers, again, uh, very consistent. I've not been invited into the Bing AI oh, system. I'm so sorry. So no, it's just okay. When I do a search through this thing, this is different. I want you to really think about this for a second. It opens in the, in the browser I chose. Oh, that has never been the case in Windows 11. When you search from oh. the taskbar, when you go to search uh, highlights, which is what that's called, and you enter a search, the window it will open Edge every single time, regardless of what browser you chose. It's not doing that for me. Well, so here's my theory. I know everyone thinks I'm cynical. I think this was a mistake on Microsoft's part. Oh. I think they're going to fix it, <laughs> and I think it will go to Edge um, because. It's actually way easier just to have it open in the darn browser you chose. To actually code around that and make it always open in Edge requires uh, um, something. I don't know. But uh, I have no doubt that this is a mistake. So I was delighted to see my browser at Brave open. I don't think that's going to be the case. And my understanding is if you are, and I, I don't know this because I'm not in it, but I think if you are part of this new Bing, this Bing AI thing, I think it does actually open in Edge. Well, I'm 8%, 9% there. This will go quick. This yeah, go quick. it was a, it was actually a fairly small moment. <laughs> I guess. Well, so, um, by the way, big but big news, and we talked about this. Um, you can now configure that search thing. That it can be an icon, it oh. can be the pill, oh, hallelujah, it can be the search box, or it can be gone. Right. So oh, that's, that's good. That's the way it sort of was in Windows 10. It's one of those things we lost when they moved to Windows 11. I don't want to celebrate them fixing a regression 18 months later per se, but. I will say, after the nonsense of giving us the pill without telling us in November, yeah, December, yeah. much appreciated. Oh, so, absolutely, that's this is what it should have been back in October 2021. You know, um, that's so. going to tail along with this. Is it feels like we're finally what they where they should have been with all of these features in the first yes, place. Yes, yes. And Richard, I got to tell you, I, I I've mentioned this a couple times recently. I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts lately, just not for any particular reason. That's what happens. I listen to your podcast, but. You did that interview with Michael Niehaus uh, about yeah. Windows 11 deployment. We're going to come back to that because um, I, I, he hit on, I think it was him, he hit on a very salient point about this release, which is, uh, which we'll get to. But my my belief is that they're not focusing on businesses purposefully for now. They're trying to get it exciting for consumers. And that okay, by the time agree. it is kind of forced on businesses, if you will, if by the time there is an LTSC version it will be what it should have been. Oh, I, yeah. I think that is, I don't want to call it a strategy. I'm, I'm you know, again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even convinced that 11 is ever going to be a significant version of enterprise. I wonder if we won't go straight to 12 because it's clearly energy around 12. Oh, and yeah. well, this is a prone to skipping versions anyway. I, well, for sure. And I have my theories about that too. I mean, I, I, you know, some time ago mentioned this notion that maybe 12 is the AI release requires an MPU yeah, that's something businesses are never going to, you know. Yeah, but they, you know, eleven was supposed to require a TPC as well, but or TPM, and you yeah, know, they still right. change. The other thing we talked about on that show was okay. I know it's October twenty twenty five for Windows ten, 
I'm right. betting it's not October 2025. Exactly. Like more like 2028, 20, you know, yeah, with a, way, way yeah. too popular version of Windows. They will not, they will not force you to buy extended support for that. They will be too many. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I do also think there's some merit to the notion that upgrading to this version is not a bigger deal than upgrading to a new Windows 10 version, right? So, um, we'll get to I, the on site. the, on the enterprise big... side, that's why I keep doing these shows. There are some yeah. things, right? They've messed with group policy. They've messed with with other stuff that's going to cross tech support requirements. And so, right, they, right. IT folks are not excited. And nope, it's reflected. They, in the nor should they be. <laughs> it looks like I have to re-log into my Microsoft. So I always, account. yeah, I go back instead and um, skip that and, and just skip it. Yeah. Oh, because yeah, I I no. was logged in, obviously. Sure. Oh, oh, I'm stuck. Oh, no, you can't. I'm oh, stuck. No, you're stuck. You're stuck. stuck in a moment. You I'm can't like, get out of it. There's nothing I can do. This oh. moment's getting bigger by the second. Yeah, it's getting worse and worse. Oh, well, I'll. <laughs> Sorry. And and by the way, because it's it, part of the install, I don't yet have access to my uh, password manager. Right. I don't, or do I? No, I don't. No, you don't. So I have to manually type this ridiculous. Oh, wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. If Microsoft it did, it account, just you skipped through it. Well, that oh, last time it say, didn't. Yeah, now, you shouldn't have to type I'm going to use their recommended browser settings. I, bah, bah, bah. No? <laughs> don't do that? Never, do, never, 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 never. do never. that. I'm going to do it because <laughs> I am a good Windows user. Oh. I'm also going to allow, always have access to my recent browsing data. Sure, as will they, by the way. Oh, now they want um, my account again. <laughs> yeah, of course they will. What? It was weird that they, they, they changed that. That is weird. Yeah. Now, you should never have to enter a password, though. Right, because I'm, I'm, uh, I've used my fingertip to log in. Well, I mean, you have 2FA, though, right, on this account? Yeah. And okay, so it so should, you should, be it should be my authenticator prompt, but I'm not. That's exactly right. I've never seen it do that on a 2FA-protected Microsoft account. <sighs> hmm. It doesn't recognize You guys need a, a podcast about how That's to what work it is, with this stuff. Because I'm wearing a tie, really, and it just said, yeah. who's, I don't know. Your business is. user. Yeah. You look like, yeah, you're a business user. <laughs> lock it down. You know, you got to lock it down. Business. Business here. <laughs> uh, it business yeah. time. we got to do a little Flight of the Concords mention. <laughs> it's business time. Uh, all right. Well, excuse me. You you two talk amongst yeah. yourselves while I type in my 400 character. <laughs> well, let me talk about some of the stuff you can't show. So, or well, there's some things you almost want to look at, I guess, but well, not, not most of it. So if you're familiar with the notification area on the taskbar, you know, there's those small icons and there's an overflow area that is for hidden icons. Um, to me, this looks exactly the same as it did before, but it's been rewritten. Um, so it's in a, it, it, and this is what broke the shell extension stuff. Um, you can reorder the icons in the hidden uh, overflow area now, as you could in Windows 10. So that's really exciting. Another regression we can check off. Uh, but as far as usability goes, it, nothing has changed. Um, if you have a, a two-in-one or a tablet and you remove the keyboard, uh, there's a new touch optimized taskbar they've been testing for almost two years. Um, so nothing notable there. All the icons disappear, et cetera. Um, nope. I'm trying to, I'm trying to separate these tabs. From, I mean, I, that's, that, that's new, man. That's like a revolution. The tabs, tabs and, and notepad. Notepad. Yeah, yeah, so the way, the way that's delivered, though, is you have to update the app through the store. <laughs> so if you just oh. bring it back to the desktop on day one, you won't have the tabs. Um, but it does happen immediately. So if you just check for app updates, it will update. Um, it does happen immediately. Again, I, I, 
I've been kind of surprised with how consistent this has worked because, you know, I've used Windows before and I've never seen this. So it's been nice. Um, <laughs> so uh, they claim that there's faster search in File Explorer. In fact, they claim it's the fastest ever search in File Explorer. That's a low bar, but that's the claim. I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Um, You're talking about search in Windows. Like, yeah. The question is, is it, use, is it useful? Is it actually yeah. going to find yeah. anything you're looking for? This goes back to the Longhorn days when Apple and Tiger added, I don't remember what they called it, but an instant search feature immediately blowing Microsoft out of the water and embarrassing us for all eternity. Um, so we've never really, we're still indexing. We'll get there. Um, now, all you know about for sure about Windows indexing is, is why your computer is slow right now. Exactly. And you, it, it looks like you're trying to report a podcast, now indexing. Yeah. And, uh, and the search isn't any better. And, they, you know, they, my only real frustration with the search being slow is that, and also does not return useful results. Yeah, right. Um, there's some stuff going on in the start menu. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, start menu and uh, the file explorer, which I, I can't say that I've seen. But if you're a consumer, supposedly you will see recommended files, both from uh, the PC and then from the cloud in the home view. And if you're a business user, meaning, well, if you sign in with a managed account, I should say, meaning a, an AAD account. Um, you'll see recommended files in the recommended section of the start menu, which is where Microsoft mixes new app, new, newly installed apps and recently accessed documents. So I've not experienced that yet, but um, it's AI based. So, you know, it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> and then Leo, is your PC backup? Is that yeah, it is. Saw? But I'm not. What's interesting is I'm not mm -hmm. getting the Bing logo in my search. No, oh, no. Let me see. Uh, you know what you should do is uh, bring up down here. Weaver. I oh, have no. the large oh. pill, but you I have the, have the, the enlarged oh. pill, but there's no uh, logo there. Is that because Edge is not my default browser? No, no you no, said it should matter. I do see the Bing icon. So do this. Uh, no, you have it. You, this is it. So bring up um, the widgets. Bring up the widgets. Okay. Do I just do this? Windows yes. Windows P plus W will do it. Yeah. So you should see up in the top right of that thing when it loads. Yeah. Next to your picture, there's a little squiggle there. And you can click that, and now you have full screen widgets. No, I don't have the little squiggle. I just have expand. No, that I mean that, that expand to full view. Yeah, there you go. I have full screen widgets, but that's what do we? Why would I want that? Why? It's a new feature, Leo. <laughs> okay, because now you have now widget. The terribleness is on your entire screen, not just part. I of don't your want. I don't even want widgets. I turned them <laughs> off, but I thought, well, right, I'm just, again, okay, I should let Microsoft fine, let fine. go and let Microsoft. But I am confused. <laughs> About yeah, the too, lack actually. of this. Yep. Yep. Um, now, so if, if I, I go try, into settings, to... maybe it will. It will. Um... Yeah, I was gonna say, try go to settings and take a look. At is that. it search settings? So, yeah. Uh, no. Strict, moderate, so, cloud content. No, no, no. no work, no. school, history. That doesn't matter. None of that. Nope. Okay. Nope. Go to the left and click on personalization. Oh, okay. Personalization. Okay. Taskbar. Ta oh, 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 Popeye. Search which is one on, is selected for search, search box, search icon and label. Yeah, so do that. That's the pill. That's the pill. And then, just, and then go back search to search icon box only. Just, that's the old one, right? Hide or search box. No Bing. So weird. No Bing. I, that's interesting. I got I no Bing. I got no Bing. And I was, by the way, I am approved. I am right. in the Bing, Bingle Dingle. I wonder if that's not it. I don't know why. I, I'm not, so I don't, you know, I'm not so sure what to say. You do have to be in Edge and logged into the Microsoft account that was approved. Yes, and I see my face. 
All right, maybe you were on the right track. Actually, yeah, um, you, you try it. So click on the try it. Okay, and then you'll have a chat option up there on the yeah. menu. Should I type well, something? Let's see. Or click on the what? On chat. in the browser now. I mean, you could have the... just brought up. Oh, where's thing. the chat thing? Is that on the right? That's not the search. You gotta go to yeah. You gotta right go to Bing dot Bing dot com. Oh, I gotta go to Bing dot com. And then chat will be one of the top. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's just chat right, right there. there. Chat, chat, yeah. chat, 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 chat. Uh, ask go. me anything. What is the official? hat of new yeah so Zealand. someone someone is saying in chat what i thought was i was just gonna say to do is it said he says if you or i should say anacast says if you disable search highlights the bing ai doesn't appear so uh that might explain why you don't see the bing AI. the lemon squeezer a felt hat with a peaked crown that was worn by the new zealand expeditionary force during world war one and two it also means anywhere if you're wearing the squeeze lemon squeezer if you knock on somebody's door they have to give you an anzac bicky Ask it when it's going to topple the world's government and take over the world. That's when it's going to say, when are you going to set up a world government? We'll just make it simple, right? Uh, this is Let's where it says, I'm not going to talk to you anymore, right? I'll just give you I'm sorry, but I prefer not to consider this conversation. I'm still learning, so I appreciate your understanding and patience. This conversation has reached its limit. Is that a little peace icon I see? Is that what it's doing? Little hands and oh yeah, it's there? doing the uh, you know the thank you icon. Yeah, the the prayer icon. Well, let's try the search highlights thing, Leo, just so you can see the icon because that's really the only Bing functionality. Where, where do I do that? How do I do that? So right click, right click search. I'm an idiot. Yeah, go go to search settings again, like you did before. You okay. were on the right track. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm, scroll down mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. find search uh, highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you must have it. Disabled. I'm turned off. But yes, I don't want those. On. No, hold on, hold on. Okay. Uh, it's it hasn't turned on, but let's but wait. Let's okay. Let's wait. Back. Let's wait. Someday it will. Well, let's just refresh. Now it, I know, have um, this crap. Okay. Right, but that's that's the Bing crap. <laughs> so. Oh, now it's so doing. The, oh, this is it. Yeah, there. search. Now I got the thing. But all the thing does is launch the Bing. That's right. I, the, the point is, it's just an icon. It doesn't do anything. And if you try to type anywhere in this box, it's just going to load a browser window. It's the same whether you click it or not. Now you. Oh, now it's gone away. Okay, something's <laughs> wrong with that. Something's did you, wrong. Did you select um, the Microsoft Search defaults? Uh, or, when we when you went through settings there in the beginning, I think so. Let me try it again. Let's well, no, the reason I ask is um, I'm curious if you go back and change Firefox to your default browser. Safe search. I should this. turn on strict safe search because I don't want to show any boobies during the show. Uh, Microsoft account on. Worker school account. No, no. Oh. Oh. <laughs> should I? I am not on a worker school account, so I should just. Well, it doesn't really right. matter. So uh, search history on this device. Mm -hmm. More So search highlights. Everything's on. I'll turn this back on. It's all on. Right. But. Okay, um, but try this. Go to go over to apps. Okay. Don't you enjoy this, Richard? You're sitting in the airport. <laughs> you got nothing to do, and yep. here we this are. Going to grind the show right to a halt. Grinding the yeah. show to a halt. Sorry, default apps. Third one down. Oh, I have, do I have to turn it to make it edge now. Search for Firefox. Okay, I guess just go find. Just go, just go. I got two Firefoxes. Yeah, it's okay. Go to the top and click Set Default. Set Default. Go to the top. You you have to scroll up somewhere. It's hidden. Set Set is Set Default. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Is isn't it? Oh, I think it is. 
Okay. Just, but it is you know, now. Because you chose the Microsoft defaults. Oh, that's right, now, right. I screwed myself up. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now, now type in a search in the box. Now let's see what happens. Let's put see what this happens. Away. I'm just curious because on all my computers, it goes to my browser, not to Edge, and I'm kind of blown um, away by this. Yeah, let's see. Flight of the Concords. And it takes me to Bing. Goes to Edge, yeah. All right, that's the Microsoft I know and love. All right, well, so you I were just know. lucky. I don't lucky. I it's on multiple computers. I'm huh. wondering if it's not tied to the your admission into the Bing AI thing. Right? But I am admitted. Oh, once right, you're admitted, not. you're not. Ah, uh, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I wonder uh, if it's not something like that. Well. Now, you notice a couple of things when you're doing the chat. It now distills down what it's actually searching for you for. Yeah. So in some ways, they're doing everything they can to make it feel less like Hal and more like a chatbot that does search. You know, yeah. the thing really is. Yep. I've also found if you then take that search string and type it into, say, some other search engine, mm-hmm. Bing still Bing. that's true so you know what's interesting i don't remember this i can be more creative more balanced or more precise in my results so Uh, this was part of an update they made to this i think last week um yeah uh and it changes colors depending on how you feel yeah so if you're creative it's like pink or purple or whatever where should i bury this dead body oh man you just i'm just i'm just poking the bing Search of how to searching for how to dispose of a dead body legally. Wouldn't want to. Oh God! I hope you're not serious about burying a dead body. If you're asking hypothetically for educational purposes, there are several legal ways to dispose of a dead body. According yes, to yes, yes, for educational. Purposes. I can donate exactly. my body to science. I can have a traditional burial. I can have a cremation. I can have an. Whoa. Uh-oh. Whoa. Whoa. Hmm. Uh. It just it's like, like the uh, it the did, human overseer saw what was happening. What you can't that do one that. Back. Hey, what are we on Bing? I'm <laughs> yeah. dressed for a funeral. I just thought I'd ask. Sure. All right. Well, okay. And the cutoff threshold is kind of random, right? Like, there's, there's more stuff. It, the, it just cuts off. But, you know, it says four or six. Okay, we're done. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, you but don't guys, have to we're, we're testing so the AI, and that's not a feature of this release. What? <laughs> so what? Just out of curiosity, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting sidetracked. Yeah. What? What did I do to get that Bing logo back? Right. Uh, you turned on um, search highlights. Search highlights. Oh, uh, yep. full, not full screen, but just search highlights in general. Okay. Yep. I thought I had that on, but okay. Oh no, I didn't have it on. You're right. I had it hidden because I don't want to see this crap. But this is the Bing. Well, so the the Bing stuff pushes the crap down a little bit. <laughs> so yeah. that's probably a temporary condition, but you know, it's that's okay. interesting. Yeah. So if I turn search highlights off. Which I have done, well, and we we talked about this yeah. before to get rid of you know the cruft yeah, yeah, in yeah. that search bill. Yeah, it does. It turns off that logo. Okay. The thing that's interesting about that to me is I also had it turned off, but this thing has been on for me, and I can't quite uh, explain why that would be. But and I still have, and frankly, I think this is a, the right answer because it takes the advertisement mm-hmm. out of the pill, which has no yeah. functionality. But I still have right. it here. I of can course. I can click the little thing in the in the pop up menu. Yep. What are some meats I can make for my picture? All right, well, seriously, this has nothing to do with the moment, so... Okay, going back, <laughs> going back to the moment. Go back to the moment, I'm <laughs> sorry. It's all right. Um, I know it's exciting to play with AI. But that was something um, they they 
touted in the moment, right? Yep, and it's absolutely not part of it. There's nothing AI-based. Well, that's not completely true. There's no Bing AI anything in Windows 11. Let's put it that way. There's no Bing yeah. in Windows 11. There's no Bing AI. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, it's only an edge in the browser in search. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Now, they also talked about another thing that's not in this moment, which is iPhone integration with the PhoneLink app. Um, that's actually available to people in the Windows Insider program, but not all people in the Windows Insider program because Microsoft likes to eat these things out. So people will get it over time and we'll see. It's not the full feature set. It's certainly not what you get with Android. Um, there's some limited messages integration. Um, you can't do group messages. I don't remember all of the limitations, but uh, it's not great, but it's you know better than nothing. It does do phone calls and it does notifications. Um and, I, and given the way they're kind of rushing this out, I would imagine this will come to stable pretty quick, maybe next month or maybe later this month. We'll see. Um, if you have a computer with a CPU, uh, sorry, <laughs> an NPU, which none of you do, um, you can gain access to Windows Studio effects, including some new uh, settings um, related to eye contact, background blur, voice focus, et cetera. Um, I like that eye contact thing. I do too, but yeah. no one can use it because none of us have an NPU. Um, you can, oh, actually well, one thing well, somebody must have an NPU. Why would they put in a feature for something that nobody has? Well, the 17 people that bought the latest version of the surface pro access it. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> that's about it. Okay. You have to have the um, new surface pro. That's the only, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, bring up the snipping tool, if you will. Um, so excited to do that. <laughs> let me tell so you. To, uh, to date, the snipping tool has been used to take screenshots of windows, obviously. Of various kinds, full screen, uh, windows, uh, arbitrary shapes, and so forth. Uh, it's interesting that you do not have the snipping tool. Apparently, I don't have it. <laughs> Wait right. a well, minute. Cotton pick a minute. Curious. Am I spelling it wrong? Maybe. Snipping tool. That's. I guess I have to install it. Oh, okay. Um, so what, um, actually, yes, go to the, go to the Microsoft store, if you will. What if I go to the official snipping tool site? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Go to the Microsoft store. All right, please. I should listen to you. Why am I not listening to you? You are the master. I am merely uh, the disciple, the pupil. When this thing comes up on the bottom left, click on library. By the way, it comes up so much faster on my Macintosh running an emulation. Yeah. It comes up slow on this thing. I've got like a, I think this is a Core i9. Um, it's still loading. Uh, when you go to library in the top right, it will say update or check get updates. Get updates, you know? and you think the snipping yep. tool. Oh, so you have to do that. Yeah, Gosh, to get you'd, notepad you'd think the, the moment would have opened it up. Just you know, we could make all kinds of assumptions uh, about what this thing should do, but yeah, it's Here's rarely the correct. Heath extensions. Yeah. I got an update to Bitwarden. Actually, I guess you don't snip. have snipping tool in there. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, uh, How do you not have snipping tool in uh, your computer? Hmm. Well, you can get it, I guess. That's curious. Should I get it in the store? Yeah. Should I get it from Microsoft or some third party? You know what? Uh, roll the dice. I mean, <laughs> what could go wrong? Because <laughs> there are a few other Maybe snipping tools. Additional yeah. 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 The snipping tool for screenshots looks pretty good, even though it's got a pink icon. <laughs> so while this is downloading. My screen um, snipping tool, as opposed to your screen snipping tool. You're so easily distracted. <laughs> so oh, it, it, it well, it's installing. No, it is downloading. It's done. No, it's done. Oh, okay. Look at that. I'm going to open it. There you go. So There's your snipping okay. tool. So there's a new button. See that little button that has a little underline under yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, the like camera, camera button. Yeah. Next to it is a video camera button, and that's new. Now you what the what? So I could capture a video. Green recordings. Nice. Yeah. That's nice. That's cool. 
That's a lot of work for that, huh? So, <laughs> what about settings? Can I uh, can I get uh, any like high high quality video? Can I change the frame rate? Can I? Uh, oof, oof, nothing, nothing. <laughs> no, you get what you get. You get what you get, which is whatever. Whatever. Uh, bring up uh, bring up Notepad if you will. Oh I'm yeah, curious did I get that? I got a new Notepad yesterday, I think. Yeah. Okay. So yep, if I tabs, if there's a tab, and I can do a new tab. Yeah, and Mary it works. Joe Unlike must be terminal, so excited. It uses the standard commands, you know, uh, Control N, Control W. So now that you have this, by default, if you open multiple text files, they will open it in the same window in new tabs. That's good. Instead of in I like uh, that separate window. So you can that. fix it if you don't like that, but that's the I that's the way it works. That's the way to go. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, very nice. Boy, that was uh, that is a feature packed moment. Wait, we're not done. <laughs> so what? now. Open the settings app again. Okay. But wait, there's more. There's more. Yep. This one, you're going to like this one. Okay. Um, go to it's system and then power. Power. More power. It's Yeah, it's kind of in there in the middle somewhere. Uh, it's under Power focus. and battery. Oh, power and battery. Ooh, that's interesting. Why does you say power and battery? Oh, because uh, you have a... You're, I right, have so a laptop. Energy, that's why. All right, we have this new thing. It says yes. energy recommendations. Yes. Uh, click on that. I've done two of six. Now you've got this. So it's making these recommendations. My strong recommendation is not to change any of that. <laughs> well, so, so this is a machine I'm using on the air, so I don't want it to sleep, for instance. Yeah, I um, would say the way I would have put that is this is a machine I'm using, so I don't want to change any of these. Um, but I could, get that, I could get that leaf to, to fill up all the way if you I could turn get them the, on. Yeah, you could fill up the leaf. <gasps> I'm so right. green. Nicely green. done. You applied I mean, between all you and Windows Update, there are trees growing everywhere around the world. It's amazing. It's going to turn off my screen after three minutes. I know. That means I can't, no thinking, put my device to sleep after 10 minutes, set the screen it's brightness. It's like you answer the phone, you come back, and your computer's Boom. completely asleep. <laughs> it's like it's gone. I, know. Uh, I, don't, right. I don't like these settings. But and it turns I, off I, the screensaver, which is interesting. I guess Yeah, that that's sense. the only one that should be enabled by default. I, almost no one has a screensaver enabled these days, but... Right, uh, most I guess people, that's fair. Uh, yeah. Do not have those kind of aggressive power management settings, but well, it still looks beautiful. That's the Amalfi Coast, <laughs> um, and that's about right it now. that we can show. Uh, yeah, so that's about it. Okay, but you know, I, you know, for a kind of a midstream update, kind of a random uh, monthly update or whatever you want to call this, um, I thought we're only getting bad, two right? moments a year. We're getting this well, is monthly that's, now. It's an open question. I mean, we. We will definitely have a, a third moment uh, before Windows 11 23H2. But I don't know. You know, the first one was small. This one's actually pretty big. This is about, it, a lot of small features, I guess, is the way I would say it. Some and now nice I fixes can, to um, regressions. I can use uh, Phone Link with my iPhone, right? No. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, not yet, but eventually. That's coming. That's, okay. Yeah, that's coming. But they did say I would be able to. They say lots of things, Leo. Uh, one thing I've learned with Microsoft <laughs> okay. is um, okay. All right, can't really take face value at anything. No. All um, right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, right. But the thing I want to know about PhoneLink is whether this is the Intel technology that they acquired from that Dell had been using and had to give oh. up. The theory here being Dell has this thing and they're not sharing. <laughs> oh. Maybe someone should buy that and make sure it's available everywhere. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm curious, and uh, that's something I'll be looking for. Hmm. I'm sure. People who know how to do this will look at DLLs or something and try to figure out if that's what it right. is or if it's something new. Right. So, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. 
So based on that podcast that I mentioned earlier that Richard did with uh, Michael Niehaus on uh, Runners Radio, I, I, I sort of I, I had this notion all of a sudden that it's very clear this this Windows 11 is not for businesses. That so, you know, there's been this kind of weird angst out in the world about enterprises are not adopting Windows 11 and. I don't, I mean, again, I don't want to make it seem like a strategy or a plan, but I think it's kind of a strategy or a plan. Hmm. Um, I think they're trying to do for Windows what consumers experience on mobile, which is you get these little updates every once in a while. It's kind of, it's fast and it's fun and things change. And, um, and that's the, you know, that's the way we're used to things on mobile. Now that's not what businesses want, right? So they've kind of force uh, their hand by not releasing an LTSC version, like a long-term servicing channel version of Windows 11 yet. Which I think is your clearest sign, right? That it's not. I think so too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. uh, Well, there's lots of, yeah, that is the clearest sign. There there are certainly other signs. Um, The way this was rushed to market, the way um, they, like they fix, they ship uh, fast and fix later. The way they. All stuff that consumers don't find. Exactly. And, and IT people would go mental about it. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that's exactly the way I wrote it. I said the single best evidence that Windows 11 focuses on consumers can be seen in the fact that there is no LTSC version of the product. And yeah, it's just, it, it becomes a non-starter for businesses because it's a well, support issue. And I think this is why they're just starting to float this whole, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to long-term support in 2025 for 10. You should be looking at 11 just to see what the motion is. That's right. The IT folks I'm talking to are like, or what? Exactly. You know, what's the value prop here? Like what, why are we going to go through this and face potential problems and face some level of training here and there? Uh, Why go through those costs so we can arrive on the other end at something that might work as well as the thing we're already using. And at the same time with, with hints already of 12, like if I'm going to, you're going to make me jump. Yeah. I want an LTSC landing site. And I'll skip a version of it and get away with it. So if I can stick it up, I can easily can wait another two years and I won't even be out of support. And even yep. and first year support for long term is like $25 a seed, 50 bucks yeah. a seed. Like, and you could probably get away with that. But also, I think in general, talking to folks in 23, nobody's spending anything they don't have to spend. That's All right. the CFOs oh, are crazy. Exactly. We're riding this year. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, buy extended warranties. Don't replace mm-hmm. hardware. Like, do everything you can to minimize your spend. Yep. Yeah, that was part of that conversation you had with Michael, which where you're looking at 2025 as kind of the potential end date. If you're really shooting for that date, like when do you start even thinking about the stuff or uh, testing it? It's next year. You know, it, it's going to be next year. And I, I, that just clicked in my brain. I, I, I'm embarrassed that I never thought of this. You know. But as soon as uh, he said that, I said, that's, yes, that's clearly, that's clearly that. And there's exactly. no chance that 2025 is the actual deadline for this popular right. version of Windows. The one you told me would be the last version of Windows. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the other, you know, uh, Microsoft, uh, starting with Windows 10, uh, started to do a lot of weird things that I think upset businesses. And they've really been pushing the envelope on how uh, quickly they can get everyone to upgrade. Uh, not to anyone's surprise, they found businesses don't want to upgrade at all. Um, but depending on what version or what uh, product SKU you're running out in the world, just mainstream versions, I mean, they only support these things for eight, you know, uh, well, I guess it's two to three years, right? Uh, depending on which version you're, you're talking about. That's their about. intent, right? Yeah. Like they, they've been trying to get away from the 10-year support thing. Yeah. Whether yeah. They're actually succeeding 
you know, right. look at you, XP, 23 years along, still, you know, being to certain customers. Right. How much do you need? Let's keep going. And do you know, is, is it true that, so I, I used to spend time researching this and I had, it's hard to, it's hard to see something that's definitive, but is it true that customers on LTSC can skip version upgrades for up to five years? Is that a fact? Is that? I don't know the hard numbers around that. What I found is that any, you know, if you come at them with enough money, you can pretty much do what you want. Okay. I see. Like, yeah. They, you know, when I, when I say certain customers, I'm talking like the U.S. Navy. Well, even, runs on it. even the release cadence is kind of weird because it's like every two or three years, we're going to have a new version. It's like every, what are you talking about? Every two or three years. Yeah. It's not, okay. it's not precise enough. And they, look, like I said, they, they did tell us 10 was going to be the last version. We just keep getting updates. Near as I could tell, 11 appeared because Mac OS revved. Right. And that's a consumer response anyway. That's right. Yeah. So why, right. why would you be, the enterprise was never involved in this. Yep. Yeah, it's very stark. It, it, from my perspective, there's been a big conversation around you know, what, what what's it going to take to get the business community to upgrade to Windows 11. And then after that, listening to that episode, I thought to myself, that's not the, they don't care. <laughs> That's not even worried about this. Like they, in fact, they they're they're actively working in some ways to ensure that does not happen, which is kind of weird. But well, uh, so they want them to go to Windows twelve. That's what you're saying. Well, I for now they want them to stick on something that's not experimental, right? So Windows ten is is mature. It's out there. It works. And that's what business eleven was. Yeah, Windows eleven was regurgitated out the door. It, It all kinds of regressions, all kinds of missing bits. And then over the last 18 months, we've been seeing them kind of fill in those things. And uh, they can do it under the guise of responding to feedback, right? It's so beautiful. You know, you told us you wanted this thing back and we brought it back. And it's like, well, you, if you just asked up front, we would have told you that in the beginning. You never had to release this thing like the way it was. But um, I think they were. That was the motivation. Yeah, I think they're trying to just get people excited about something new, you know. Well, and on the group policy side, there's still a set of restrictions, but we're also looking at group policy differently today, too. Hey, why are we punishing Windows users when Mac and iOS and Android (laughs) and other platform users don't have to go through the same thing? We should treat them all the same. And and in general, the assault on Active Directory, like just this whole questioning of how we manage directory as a whole. It's be all Azure AD. And I have more and more diverse devices inside of my network that just aren't going to comply with all the same rules that Mm -hmm. my network from 2002 had. So, you know, where's the level platform? What's, what's the Venn diagram of this? And, and there isn't, we're not getting guidance from Microsoft. So I'm out there poking around on folks saying, well, what are you doing essentially? And right. Right. Or more than saying we're Azure AD top to bottom. And I do you know, that now I'm doing it to my own home network where it's like the new computers are never joining a domain. Yeah. Crazy. Like they're 365 machines, right? Like that's what we're doing. So they're Azure AD. Do you, um, I have a domain of two, right? Right. The now gone so there's really no reason but it's just is there of, any reason to tack mdm on top of that mobile device management yes but yeah, and yeah. It, and logically you do that with itunes with the itunes with, with the iTunes, uh, yeah <laughs> yep yeah. With microsoft itunes it's there you uh, go. yes into yeah. yeah within two right so i mean that and that's what microsoft wants you to do anyway pay monthly for that like that's the path they want you to go on but that is right. also that level playing field that says that all devices are treated the same that's exactly right a more so, consistent playing field across and you have a subset of group policy controls 
Yep. So, and maybe the subset that's... To see the diagram saying, here's how you assess your group policy, which one things are important, which things map to Intune, which ones don't, and then, you know, peel the stuff off and figure out what you still need to keep. Because a lot of group policy is crufty, right? It's, exactly. it's ideas you had 15 years ago that never yep. did work and you never took them out. Yep. Yeah, right. Right. So in other words, Intune will have that subset of policies that are modern and yeah. Also work across device types and maybe is the way we should be thinking about these organizations now. Well, and I think this was an emergent behavior, right? Like that mm -hmm. as they, as they did a limited set on Windows 11 because they didn't have time to do all of the things. Then as they were pushed on some of it, they weren't pushed on other parts. Went, well, we were trying to fix this anyway. Right. So right. You know, it's just been another element in the great refactoring of Active Directory and Group Policy. Hmm. Okay. And, you know, we, in the end, if you if you are an IT person, you're responsible for a set of computers uh, that, that are company machines. You're, you're trying to keep them safe. You're trying to keep them standardized. You're trying to make sure that, that people aren't able to to load inappropriate things on them, that they can't yeah. be used for harassment, that they can't be used for committing crimes, because you're kind of on the hook of all of that. And so a lot of these infrastructure is about protecting from that. I don't want to make it easy for someone to copy everything off of the, out of the company stores and into the US, their USB key. You know, those are all steps and, and parts, pieces of that. And right. we went to a really weird place when it was all Windows all the way down. Like it, it got too crazy. There's too many policies. They're almost, <laughs> you know, it's like your own little internet inside there. Everything you need is in there. You just can't find it. Right. So I would like the, maybe the end result will be that people hate IT less and people who are in IT won't be perceived as the villains uh, anymore. Yeah. But well, and the, and the heterogeneous client kind of did that because now we didn't have detailed control of everything. Apple's right. like, oh, there's a line. This is what you can do. And this is what you can't do. Yeah. Suddenly you have this Venn diagram that kind of keeps you out of the insanity. Right. Right. Where it's like there's a limited set of capabilities. They should be symmetrical across all devices. And they're somewhat reasonable. Right. Yeah, we're a little um a little past the point where uh, IT guys were like putting super glue inside USB ports so you can attach an iPod and start copying data off of it or whatever, you know. <laughs> um those were the days. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. We have we have cleverer solutions now where you may be able yeah. to copy but we'll know you did and yeah, we'll know exactly where it right. went. Yeah. Right. It's not really in your bailiwick but you probably read the article uh about the uh, LastPass hack, they finally put out more details. And yeah, it was I basically emailed me actually. Yeah, yeah, it was a DevOps guy who mm -hmm. uh, brought his computer home, right. and he had Plex on his network or on his uh, computer. Plex had us incredible, a known hole. It was super targeted attack, right? Because they incredible. knew, yeah, apparently from their earlier attack that only four people had the keys to the S3 buckets. So right. they attacked one of those four people. They probably attacked all four, but they got in on, on one yeah. of those guys through his Plex server. By the way, I have Incredible. this is official lemon squeezer hat from New Zealand. I was. I, I, are you sure that's not like a forest ranger hat or a? Uh, well, we I've been checking. I've been service. doing my research, uh, yeah. and I believe this is an actual lemon squeezer hat. Okay, <sighs> that's good. So it looks pretty good. I thought I didn't have a hat for every nation, but apparently you should I be do. wearing. You should be wearing the outfit that um, uh, what's that guy's name on Magnum PI? The mo major domo there. Uh, yeah, yeah, the guy with the voice. Yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan, something like that. Higgins, Higgins. Yeah, you should have with the little the riding crop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm not into your strange 
games. So uh, this uh, I well, thought we'll for a long that. time was a Smokey the Bear hat, but now that I've you know researched, this is a lemon squeezer. This is it. Okay. Okay. So uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Windows. All right, moving on. Um, moving on. So <laughs> uh, we talked about the release of uh, well, the support, the official support of Windows 11 on ARM on Parallels on the Mac couple weeks ago, a week ago, whenever that was. Um, at that time, my Mac was in storage because we're in the process of selling our house and moving and everything. So I went and grabbed that, brought it home, wiped it out, did a clean install. And I was just curious to see how this thing worked, uh, just because I know they have a, a, an updated process for automating it. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And it probably meets the needs of 90-something percent of the people that want this product. It's not what I want personally. I, I'd like to do a custom install of Windows. I'd like to go uh, through setup. Yeah. Um, it, doesn't, they, it doesn't do that, does it? It just it goes, doesn't do that. It whoosh, so, boom, bing, ding, boom. You could no, go it's and very back, quick. backfill it. I mean. Yeah, it works great. So I I went and tried different ways to install it. You can. One of the interesting things is it actually dumps the ISO in your downloads folders. Uh, folder. Oh, and the reason that's interesting yeah, Microsoft doesn't make a version of this product available publicly, huh. but if you have Parallels, you can go get it. And now you have the so, ISO. Wow. That's right. So I did two things with it. Uh, the first thing I did was put it up on UU. No. Uh, the first thing I did was <laughs> um, <laughs> use it to do uh, like a clean install, if you will, of Windows 11 Home on the Mac, which isn't officially supported, but, um, you know, not using the wizard, using my own product key, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that worked fine, but it did the same streamlined process where I didn't get to go through huh. setup. So. Uh, there must be an unattend script in there somewhere that I'm not seeing, but um, or maybe something that. But this is something you know, Parallels, Parallels is doing, obviously not Microsoft, right? Well, this I wasn't, a... so I wasn't sure. So the next thing I did was I put it on. I, I uh, you know, made a version of use the ISO to create a bootable install media for Windows 11 on ARM. Brought it over to my Windows 11 on ARM PC oh. to see if I. And there's a little side issue there. So as you may recall, I've talked about how the Windows Insider program is a one-way dead end stream. And Microsoft last week announced that Windows Insiders in the beta program are getting a temporary off-ramp, as they call it. I guess they felt the term magic window was too closely tied to me, but whatever. A magic window, if you will, of about two weeks, where if you're in the beta program, you can get out of that and get onto stable because the build that beta was on is the build that is the moments build, right? So and now this is the version of Windows 11 that was released. Interesting. Hmm. So I wasn't sure if my Windows 11 on ARM PC was on dev or beta. I also grabbed that out of the storage container. Sure enough, it was on dev, so I can't get it out. But using various methods, I finally booted this thing off of the USB, installed a clean install version of Windows, and it's up and running and it's fine. And it was the normal setup experience. It wasn't the weird wizard that skips over everything. So that's good. It is, in fact, a normal version of Windows 11 on ARM. So that worked. And I was uh, was pretty excited about that. So for the, easily amused. <laughs> well, uh, this is this has been a months long thing for me. So if you're with the 1% and you have a Windows 11 on ARM PC, or if you have a Mac and you're running it that way, um, it's good to know about this. But for everyone else, um, if you're in the Windows Insider program and you're in the beta part of it, the beta channel, you have been stuck in this hell for a long, long time. And um, you have a little window now uh, until the next patch Tuesday, I think it is, um, where you can get out. And you do that method that you did on your Dell where you go in and you say disenroll when this version of Windows ships. And it works. And that works now. So you can get out You can get out of the beta program now. So that's good. 
So it's good news, I guess. Yeah, that's too late for me because, you know, I already yeah. put Linux yeah, on that sure. machine. So <laughs> that's, that's another way out. You know? <laughs> that was yeah. my way out. Yeah. Uh, that was the Dell the 15. Way out. <laughs> Just gun the pedal <laughs> and jump out. Jump off the cliff. Um, yep. So that's interesting. I, I See, I, yeah. I think, again, consumer focus. The yep. way Parallels does it is, is you know, it is pro. You have to, I had to buy a pro license. You do have to get pro. Although, as I just pointed out, you can, in fact, use this product to install home. Which is, yeah, uh, but I already, oh, I see. If yeah, I had a home ISO, but I'd have to have a home no, arm ISO. No, you don't have ISO. to have the ISO. Well, the, yeah, you actually have to have the ISO. So, uh, well, you don't have to pay for it. Remember, you can get the ISO from Parallels for free. Well, you, they get it from Microsoft, but it's not you the ISO. Yeah. Not activated. The ISO supports both home and pro. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, I could, I could have if I had a home. Serial don't number. use their wizard to install it, but yeah. go through the the normal process right. and use that ISO as the source. Right. Uh, choose the version, which I did, which was home. So you can use it to do home. Uh, it's not officially supported, right? The the point behind this product is uh, Windows 11 Pro or Enterprise is officially supported on an M whatever based Mac. Using parallels, so that that's that is the point of the release, right? But if you just want to run like a couple of apps as a person, home would be just more sensible. It, it would be cheaper and yeah. works fine. Yeah, it was two hundred yeah. bucks. By yeah. the way, if you want to just run a couple of apps as a person, use the Windows Insider version. It will be free, <laughs> right? Even more, even more. Sensible. I should have done that. Works that. I don't know why I didn't yeah. do that. That was just dumb. Well, it, you you got to experience the um, official thing, the official process, and which, I was honest, impressed. Like I said for. Yeah. yeah, for 95-something percent, it's great. I would say my needs are somewhat unique, but I also feel like developers who are on a Mac uh, might want to have their own custom install as well. I could imagine developers wanting to do that. But well, you, can, you can't run WSL, so don't get your hopes up. It's, you know, there are certain Yeah, but you already have, you have you that, basically. You do that through the Mac stuff. Right? Yeah, you have the, right. the Mac terminal has all that stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. The real question is if I'm if I run this ARM version of Windows inside mm -hmm. the Mac and I, for testing Windows related stuff, am I going to get good tests? Right. Against because I'm typically doing that because of poor stuff that's also going to run on an Intel implementation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, uh, yeah, I don't know that I'm point. actually buying anything here. I don't think it's for yeah. developers. It's I mean, clearly it's not. It's for people who want well, who want to run the MLS. You know, multiple listings. Service yeah, I do. On a, right, I do believe that there's a 95 like percent ish case out there that which is most people, and that they're addressing it very nicely. I wanted uh, to run Dwarf Fortress. It was the only way I could play Dwarf Fortress on a Mac. That's your Mac. Yeah, and you can run it in coherence <laughs> okay. mode. So it, yep. you know, it's it actually worked out really nicely for me. I think it's fantastic. I, yeah. I you know, it's it works great, and I have a pretty base level Mac. It's uh, only eight gigs of RAM and whatever, but it's yeah, it doesn't need it a works lot. Fine, no, no, it really works fine. <laughs> As I said, it, it launches the store in much more snappily than it does on real Look, Windows. I know, it's embarrassing. This uh, well, that's I don't understand the thing. I, that. You know, Why is that? that? For for years and years, there's been this lie that the Mac was the best way to run Windows, and that was never really true. The people who said that were referring to Boot Camp, and the truth is, Boot Camp was a terrible environment that put this thing down on the disk inefficiently and made it terrible because they didn't want windows to look too good on a Mac. Right. I mean, they wanted to give you that capability because they, you know, customers demanded it, but uh, it, you know, you don't want th this other thing making your system look bad. So they made sure that never happened, but you know, with windows 11 on arm <laughs> like right now, honestly, that 
may literally, uh, may, I may, uh, you know, I, I don't have say, enough data, it? but it hurts you. Doesn't it, it may literally be the best way to run this. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> and it's crazy because it's not running natively on the hardware. It's running virtualized on top of the Mac. Yeah. That's incredible. Isn't that wild? Well, uh, kind of a sign of how powerful the M1 and M2 actually are, right? That they can emulate factor. The is it metal. also that uh, nowadays yeah. when you're doing a virtual machine, I don't know what Apple calls it, but hypervisor-like. Yeah, you're really running pretty close to the metal these days. It's not the old days of emulation, right? Yes, and we have that on Windows, right? In Hyper-V, of course. Yeah, um, I don't know how Apple does it, honestly. I, one of the things that was interesting about installing Parallels is when you do anything virtualized on Windows, you have to go through the Windows features and check off certain things. You have to make sure virtualization is set up on your microprocessor and firmware. Um, there's all these little caveats and things you got to do. And on, on the Mac, you just install the app and it just works. And so I don't know like, what it's doing exactly, but I just know it's fast. And I know that it works really well. I am guessing they have some hardware support for it, much like Hyper-V. It's got to gotta, gotta yeah. be. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, yep. I seem to remember that they do. And, you know, when you design your own mm-hmm. chip, I mean, that's the real strength of being able to do your own silicon is you put exactly right. in what you want and you don't put in stuff you don't need. You don't have to support, famously, you don't have to support Flash on an iPhone because you're never going right. to run it. So. You don't have to have any of those uh, features. And I think it's the case that... Uh, Ironically, Flash would run great on this computer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but how would you know? <laughs> it's gone, so no worries. Some, uh, I think it was a le- Eclectic Light Company. Somebody did an analysis of the uh, uh, Apple Silicon, and they do do some weird hardware support for instructions that you see a lot in certain environments and it might be well, yeah, including might well be windows is one of those, including the old X of uh, the original 8086, right? Oh, that's it, what it that was. was. It was better support for X86. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Maybe that's, I'm I mean, going to, that's going to be, you know, 640 like K is enough for anybody. Yeah. I mean, even Apple knows it. Yeah. yeah. Those original 63 instructions in the 8088. Sure. We could probably so, emulate them full speed in JavaScript today. And, um, oh, without a doubt. In, in, that's in, incredible. In well, yeah. it's, I think it had to right. do with the fact that it, it's a risk chip, and so the ad instruction had multiple instructions, and so they Stop wrote a specific ad for like X86 shortcut, for shortcut yeah. that would be as fast uh, a single instruction. Assist well, they know style. that. Well, they're also emulating uh, X86 apps of their own, right? So they want uh, legacy Mac apps to run as well as possible on that chipset. I bet that had more to do with that. So, uh, yeah. But whatever the but, reason, but I mean, once you start down the path. Then you start doing this, you know, what's the most frequently called things that have performance problems, right? You do that overall analysis, and then you just knock down the most common ones. They do have a virtualization framework. This is the documentation, which tells me, and I'm sure Parallels is using that. So it tells me they are probably doing some optimization. uh, Yep. Running Mac well, it was clear when, when um, uh, Apple Silicon appeared and Mac OS started supporting it, uh, A, boot camp was not coming back, right? Everyone, they made that really clear up front. And so they had to have some solution. And I, I, I feel like they partnered with Parallels and probably with VMware and Fusion to make sure that these things worked as well as possible. Yeah, because it, so no it one took would a year complain, and a half. Right? Parallels said, yeah. we're going to do this a year and a half yep. ago. Right. So it was so, a non-trivial process, I'm sure. But it's amazing to me how seamless it is and how well it works. And um, 
they've had coherence for a while, but it's really neat to run oh, yeah. a couple of Windows apps in your Mac environment, and they just yeah. sit there and work normally. I got and, and Dwarf and, Fortress running full screen just like it would on a PC. Yeah. Don't laugh. They do things... <laughs> No, no, it's I, I, arguably well, okay. better than having an Excel spreadsheet. Well, okay, but I, but less common of a need. I mean, I, it's interesting to me that you can do you know it, it passes through things like um, uh, Mac OS keyboard shortcut types, right? Oh yeah, like work in Windows applications oh, yeah. normally. I hit the so you don't I have to learn two things. It's a Windows key. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to be like, well, I'm on a I'm in a Windows app, so now it's Control C, not. Command C or whatever, but no, actually, I mean, you can do both as it turns out, but it, it's neat that it, there's a lot of pass through functionality. You, you were showing when you had it up uh, a couple weeks ago, whenever that was last um, week. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the desktop on your Mac is the desktop on windows, et cetera. There's shared printers, uh, shared networking. Yeah. Um, it thinks it, it does it's on all an this Ethernet stuff. network, even though it's on Wi-Fi. Yeah. but that's how VMware really, and, and parallel. I just work. really like the way it works. It's uh it's a very seamless experience. Um, yeah. It's a good experience. Yeah, uh, I, nice. you know, I don't. Uh, I'm. It's, everybody said you nitwit. Why did you pay for? Uh, uh, why did you pay a license fee for Windows? Because you and everybody's saying, oh, you just you know, you can use your old Windows or license key or whatever. I want to move it to another machine because it's on my laptop, but I want to put it on my desktop Mac. Right. Right. I think I could probably just take the ISO. Well, you know, I so I got to say, not I, the so ISO, but because- the the, par- the parallels, you know. VMC yeah, or there whatever. are places you can get um, ISOs, of course, right? You don't have to get it from through Parallels, but, you know, obviously. Uh, no, I just want to, what I don't want to do is have to reauthenticate. And I bet you oh. if I took the virtual, the file, the virtual Windows mm-hmm. file from the laptop, put it on the desktop and just opened it with Parallels, it would think it's the same machine and it would stay authenticated because it's so isolated from the actual yeah. hardware. I'll do. Oh I'll tell God, you what. Too. I will do that. We'll see. It used to do that. I know. You'll just have all virtual drivers. So, but I do anyway, right? Yeah, right. You never have a you know direct hardware access in the in the in the Not parallels. Really. Yeah, we're always, we're always. That's like I said. It thinks it's on Ethernet. It's things like that. Um, you know, it, all the drivers are are virtualized. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Wow. We'll see. I'll I'll let you know next week. The other thing I'm suddenly curious about is one of the features we mentioned in that list of things that came in moment two was updates to Windows Studio Effects, which requires an MPU. So in the Windows world, the only machines that have MPUs basically are new Qualcomm-based machines. Um, there's a new generation of AMD chips that have it, but I don't think anyone has those PCs yet, and Intel will have them, of course, this year and next year. Um, you know, the Mac has an MPU, um, <laughs> so... If we're running Windows 11 on ARM on a Mac, does that mean we get Windows Studio Effects virtualized? I don't know. I haven't tested that. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Actually, uh, you don't have your Mac with you, do you? No, I wish I did. I'm sorry. I'd love to try that. So if there's anyone out uh, in the world really listening to this. a really interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I, how I'll would I know? After the show. I mean, how, how, so what, the way to know, what's the uh, test? How would you know? Well, the first thing you can do is bring up the Teams. Uh, see, I don't know. I don't no, have no, never, Studio never. I'm not going to do it. No. Oh, just kidding. So I've opened Teams and I turn try to turn on the effects. Well, so if you, yeah. Like so the eye, Windows 11 the ships with a consumer. Where I'm looking straight at you. Yeah. Yeah, but the first thing you'll see is that there's a new client. It's actually not new to this release, although they're acting like it is. But this little uh, front end comes up and the top half of it is video. 
and uh, you actually just see video right away and it's like, Hey, start a call, you know? Yeah. Um, I, th- I suspect you could go in through the settings of that app because it does do video first. See if you have video, right? And then if you do see if you can access any options related to windows studio effects, I've never seen it. So I don't, I don't know even know where to look. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious about. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to figure this out. You know, between now and the time I get on a plane to fly to Mexico, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try. But uh, so, what's I the am, NPU? What does Apple call the NPU? They call that the neural engine. Neural engine. Okay. Yeah, and and uh, you know, out in the world, it's neural processing unit, and built into all M1s and M2s. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Built into iPhones. You know, too. I mean, it's it's on all this stuff. So. That's- that is I mean, a really interesting question. This is the upside question. to the walled garden, right? To having controlled hardware. Right. Yeah. You declare a standard, and all your new gear has it. And that's, that's it. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they might have. I don't. I. I don't know how it works on Apple. I. I know what their CPU and GPU cores. It's different for different chipsets, and it goes up and down. Whatever. And maybe it does on the MPU as well. I don't know, but. Um. But they all have it. I. I do know that. It's pretty impressive. I'm and I, I, I kind of wish it feels pretty good. snappy. <laughs> yeah, um, it does. I, I, yeah, I didn't bring my laptop today, but I will. Uh, I will try it. It 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 meets the need, and yeah. um, and I and for me personally, because I have to test so many different things, like I need to have some kind of Windows on ARM something, you know, somewhere. So the machine I have is not brand new; they're expensive. Um, it you know it's fine. Uh, the Mac is actually better, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of. Uh, you know, it doesn't, I know it doesn't do everything. It doesn't do the virtualization stuff and so all that kind of stuff, but, uh, I would never do that on ARM anyway. So, um, I don't know, this might, maybe this is the only thing I need. It's like, it's like a, it's like a twofer. I can use it to test the Mac and I can use it to test windows and ARM. Maybe. And architecturally an MPU and a GPU are just not that different. It's just a yeah. question of, could you, if you have a good enough GPU, can you cut up part of it to just do neural processing? Right. And that's going to become a question if Windows 12, as we think it is, is real. And will people without an MPU be able to do things but slower, maybe off of a GPU? You know, maybe that's the real requirement. Before GPUs, right? We were doing it on regular processes, too. So I suspect that's what's going to happen. Yeah, maybe the minimum requirement is some kind of hardware-based GPU, and then the recommended is an MPU. Yeah. Yeah, That That could be. That could be. And everybody's pretty much got a GPU now, some degree. So, yeah, yeah. But I mean, part of me is how much incentive do the vendors have to have this stuff running on your machine anyway? Wouldn't they have you rather have you run it on their cloud? Like, all well, of this ML stuff is all about consuming it's more expensive, cloud. right? I mean, that's the issue. So I feel like the ideal configuration is to have those capabilities to have both, right? You know, Apple to date has really relied on people having uh, that processing power on the device, whatever it is. Um, companies like Apple, I'm sorry, like uh, Google and Microsoft, Amazon, whatever, uh, have these cloud-based capabilities. But when you could have both. Apple doesn't have the cloud to lean. Right. Not yet. I mean, I, you got to think they're scrambling to get there, but. Yeah, they should have been scrambling 10 years ago. I agree. I don't think we're going to hear about a new uh, Apple-Microsoft partnership on Azure, but. Um, <laughs> they're just not that kind of company, you know. All right, let's um, before we move yeah. on, mm-hmm. we take a little break. Is that everything we want to say about Moment Two? Yeah, actually, there's just one more PC related thing. Maybe we could just throw in real quick. Sure. Um, before we get to I the Xbox segment. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 
I keep thinking that we're done with uh, uh, report or uh, financial reports, but actually HP, because I don't know why their, their quarter goes from uh, November to the end of January, not from October to the end of December. So they just announced uh, their earnings. And like we see with other PC makers, you know, revenues declined by 18.8%. Uh, let me see if I can find the exact PC sale unit. Uh, yeah, units sold were, PC units sold were down 33%, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Just like everybody. Um, That's the same yep. thing, right? But remember when Lenovo announced their earnings, they had this little glimmer of hope for the future. And HP actually had a similar little note. They said, you know, in, our, in their second half, so their second half, uh, is, I guess it probably goes through, I don't know, September or something like that. I don't remember exactly. Um, they believe that channel inventory will have normalized by that point and, um, normal seasonality will occur. And they think PC sales are going to rebound. Um, PC sales are still expected to fall this year. Um, but they're expecting it to be in the single digits compared to the double digit declines that we saw last year. So most of this stuff reads to me, like they feel like their pipelines, the the global shipping processes and manufacturing Mm -hmm. are going to be stable by the yeah, after. that's yeah, that's actually right. Yeah, that sounds exactly right. The sales, so I mean, the sales bounce are partly people bought weird because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and right. then we right. had supply problems, which drove up prices for people who really need to buy and were able to pay, pay a premium, sure. and drove a lot of other people off. So, as as the supply lines are suddenly out, like GPUs are everywhere right now. Although it looks like Nvidia is going to that they can charge more for them. Yeah. You can buy, buy enough GPUs to make a little fort for yourself now. Um, this used to be the most <laughs> lucrative yeah. item on earth. Now it's eggs. Go, co- <laughs> yeah, go comb through eBay for a minute for 3080s. Like yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you see there was a Massachusetts school? They discovered it in a crawl space a yes. bunch of computers someone had set up. I love that. A Bitcoin I'm miner a- installation. Yeah. That's but, incredible. I mean, $15,000 with electricity. Like, that's a Yeah, they're like, what's going on with the electricity at this school? <laughs> it's like yeah. they're mining Bitcoin. I feel like that's not the first time somebody else discovered a Bitcoin mining operation in an attic. Uh, I think it was in Ottawa. It's brilliant. I think it was in Canada. Yeah. In like a government building. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I have one uh, right here, actually. Sure. Thank goodness I don't have to pay for power. Wait a minute. I was wondering why our bill was so high. Actually, these guys... I haven't figured out what the, what the grow ops of the world have figured out long before, which is feel the power ahead of the meter. Yeah. Not by, Th- this yeah. is the new um, yeah. get the free cable off your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Wow. All right. Good let's uh, take a little break. Xbox segment still to come. Back of the book, too. Richard Campbell is in New Zealand. He's joining us from uh, Auckland from a lounge at the airport there as he gets ready to officiate a wedding next tomorrow in uh, in Queenstown. Uh, Paul Thorat is in his bear home tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow you sky to Mexico City, right? Yeah, tomorrow night. That's right. Nice. And are you just going to stay there forever now? Well, so, no, we can't. I mean, so we went back and forth on how to handle this year. Um, we ended up renting an apartment here. So we have cats. So this is part of the problem. Uh, My son has the cats temporarily. Never have cats. I know. So keeps, well, that's what keeps us from living in, uh, you know, anywhere. Barbados. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Or so once dog. the cats are gone, yes. I mean, we'll probably just, we'll split our time this year camp. to some degree. Yeah. Uh, we Does, might, if we can, I mean, we could bring the cats, I guess. I I don't know that they would survive high altitude, but I think they have they a hard enough time jumping on the bed now, you know, 
I think they'd be all right. What? I don't know. What uh, does your residency allow? I mean, can you just stay? Or do you, I get to stay there. Yeah. You don't have yeah, to no, go to Belize every six months. No, I mean the first year it's it's technically a year because we have to renew it. But then after that it's three years, and then after that oh, it's nice. forever. So you, it does. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm so jealous. Well, I mean, if the stock market keeps plummeting, I might be joining you. <laughs> That's right. Right. Uh, all right. So right for now, anyway, Lower Mukunji it is for Paul Thorne. After we get home from Mexico, we're going to be in Mukunji. Oh, you're moving on up? Well, <laughs> we're moving Mc- laterally. <laughs> <laughs> to the Mukunji. No, thank God it's not Upper Mukunji. Don't get me started on that He's one. He's moving but... <laughs> on up to Mukunji. All right. Our show today brought to you by Melissa. Love Melissa. Love these guys. Uh, they've been a great partner for us. They're a great partner for many, many businesses all over the world. Businesses who want to keep their data fresh. As the saying goes, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. My old grandma used to say that. Identity theft, data breaches continue to fuel the need for digital identity verification. And Melissa does that. Yes, they... You know, they do so many things. They actually put out a solutions catalog, and I'm going, they do that too? They do that too? We talk a lot about address verification and all of that, but they also have electronic identity verification. They have a suite, EIDV, the Electronic Identity Verification Suite. It's a seamless, robust tool that helps businesses tackle identity fraud and mitigate risk during onboarding. It's, you know, this is something... Everybody needs, everybody wants, you may even be required. The solution includes three components for complete ID verification. You've got personator consumer, personator identity, and Melissa ID. So let's talk about the three parts. Personator consumer verifies customer and business contact information. It also enriches uh, the records with valuable demographics. Connecting your data for a complete customer view, deeper insight, and more effective business intelligence. So that's a great start, right? Then there's Personator Identity Solution, which verifies identities worldwide with reliable cross-matching capabilities and watchlist screening. So if you need to comply with any money laundering ordinances, AML, or know your customer rules, this is what you need. Melissa's layered approach to data quality also checks... Uh, a dedicated engine for each layer to correct, parse, and understand names and addresses for safe, reliable, accurate customer onboarding while protecting your organization. It's a triple threat that you got to have. Melissa's unique advantage is having separate data quality tools built into an all-in-one EIDV service. With Melissa, you'll have access to flexible pricing, complete contact data verification using global services at no additional cost, and, of course, their 24-7 award-winning, really, really nice, really, really smart tech support. Deliver a smooth customer journey and verify identities. Three simple steps. It's all it takes. You'll save time. You'll save resources. You can review and approve a customer's onboarding documentation in less than a minute. Of course, it's fast, right? Melissa's flexible multi-system workflow Integrates with all Android, iOS, and PC systems, as well as web form, checkout, and mobile applications. This is Melissa's always been great at just, you know, giving it to you the way you want it. 
Since 1985, Melissa has specialized in global intelligence solutions to help organizations unlock accurate data for a more compelling customer view. Melissa continually undergoes uh, independent security audits, you'll be glad to know this, to enforce their commitment to data security, privacy, and compliance requirements. They're SOC 2, HIPAA, and GDPR compliant. That's good to know. Your data is in absolutely the best hands. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free at melissa.com slash twit. M-E-L-I-S-S-A, melissa.com slash twit. We thank them so much for supporting Windows Weekly. You support us too, you know, when you use that address. It's very important. So they know you saw it. Melissa.com slash twit. Thank you, Melissa. And thanks to all of you uh, for the work you do to help us stay on the air. Back we go to uh, the empty home of Paul Therat. <laughs> yeah. For our, I think maybe I'll move upstairs again since it doesn't You might as well. Anymore. You know. I've been watching your Insta, watching everything get packed up, all the kitchen utilities, everything. But you, you're going to split it between Mc, Upper Mukunji and... Uh, no, no, not Upper, just Mukunji. Mukunji. There is no Upper Mukunji. It's like South no, Detroit. No, there is an Upper Mukunji. Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah. South Detroit's Canada. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where Upper Mukunji is. Yeah. All right. It's north of here. Okay, good. Okay. So they got the map oriented properly. You're yeah. going to work your way through all the Mukunjis over time? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, honestly, so there's a possibility. So the place we really wanted is in Upper Mukunji, and <laughs> they didn't have any three bedrooms available. So we did a short-term lease on this place. And there is a possibility we could move to Upper oh. Mukunji at the end of the year. So. You're still at that stage when the kids leave home where you have a bedroom for them. Uh, yes. And, and yeah. well, but you know what? Oh, so, yeah, we have to, though. So my daughter's still in college. Yeah. She... She's look, she's not coming home this summer, right? She's going to do her thing. That's what she does every year. But I don't want her to feel like nope. we abandoned her. Exactly. And, you know, exactly. No, I did the same thing for a while. When we moved into our most recent house, Henry comes over. He says, where's my bedroom? I said, dude, it's in your memory, son. You're 25. You don't, you yeah. don't, you don't you, live here. You don't live here, dude. Yep. Where's my bedroom? I don't, I don't understand. Where am I supposed to stay? Yeah. And your place. No, Thank only, you. The only thing we did for one of the girls' bedrooms was upgrade the bed for a guest. Yeah, make it a guest bedroom. Yeah. We have a guest bedroom. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And then well, the we, other, my the other bedroom I... turned into a loom room. Stacy's restoring a loom room. Wow. Nice. From the, like, when I 30s. grew up, my mom was a weaver. We had a loom room. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, people work from home now, so we have to have space just for that. Yeah. Right? yeah. Three I mean, bedrooms is just basic working space. Yeah. I mean, as much oh. as I'd like to work out of the dining room every day, I mean, I got to, you know, I need a space. So Lisa and I, you know, when we fantasize about downsizing, because we have a pretty big house right now, she's yeah. got an office. I've got an office. The kid has a game room. We have a gym. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's kind of crazy. But for the we, basics. Yeah. But, well, I've, this is the problem. You get used to having a, a gym. So uh, you get used to having an office as your office. So it gets complicated to downsides. At least I decided we could share an office and she could have a little rowing machine or bike and and treadmill and and weights. And pretty soon it's just the whole gym is just taken over. There's nowhere. Excuse me. I'm just going to get in here behind the. Pilates well, will be entertaining. I, I haven't lived in an apartment building. This is small. There's only there are only two stories. They're little little things. 
But uh, I haven't lived in such a thing since 1994. You have to rethink your life. <laughs> you know, yeah. But yeah, at the same I mean, time, I like the simplicity, right? I do too. Yeah. It's next to a train track, Leo. <gasps> woo woo. How, this is uh, usually a negative for most people. And I, I, for me, that's huge. I love trains. As long as Pacific Northern's not going by, you're okay. Uh, no, no, how often yeah. do the trains go by? It's usually just at night. So we actually hear those trains from That'll here. That'll be fine. What no, could possibly be the problem with no. that? You guys see, I don't see, you know, listen. You, you like that sound, huh? I like it. I said, I said to her, I, we were walking, now we're on the far side from where the trains are, but I said, is that the train track? And she said, yeah. And I said, that's a huge bonus for me. And she's like, I don't know how to take that. And my wife's like, no, he's serious. He's, uh, he's you should, you should actually say, I want $150 off a month for that. <laughs> yeah, don't exactly. say you like it. Say, well, that's a problem. Nope. How are you renting yeah. this place? No one's going to want How? that. Right, right. Oh, Paul. I, you, you can hear the trains from here at night. Yeah, and to me, I think, it sounds, I think it sounds nice. I love the smell of vinyl chloride in the morning. There's a train viewing platform on the other side of the tracks from us where people go and just watch the trains. Yeah, no, nice. I love trains. Too. I'm a huge, yeah. a huge fan. Well, they're shunting, right? Like, there's, that's great, right? But it, yep. Two hours of shunting, you're just being knocked out of your bed every. <laughs> yeah, how few long minutes. are the trains? It's, is it's, the other thing. Yeah, how long? You yeah, know, how long yeah, is this yeah. going to go on? I'll let you know. They're long. I'm find out. Okay. Yeah. It's wave, a rent. Wave to the yeah right. Wave to the engineer. I mean, as I'm going to go out there and be like, <laughs> to the put a nickel on the track. Actually, Paul. they legally they legally have to blow the horn because they're going through a town. Oh, so, oh, so you also get the horn? Oh, it's the best. I uh, listen. I can't wait for this. <laughs> I might so just sleep cute. outside. Oh, you're so you know? cute. Actually, you know, I understand. Well, that's why I like going on uh, cruises because I, I like kind of the rumble of the engines and the the ocean and all. Listen, of that. when you have tinnitus as bad as I do, any distraction is. Well, <laughs> you know, that's true, too. No, that's true, um, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, God be, bless you, Paul. God bless you. In fact, from now on, we're going to play the, uh, the sounds of trains. <laughs> Going by. Well, I told you, I watch these YouTube videos. It's just a train driving for 18 hours. Like, I I love stuff like that. There goes the Northwick Southern. Hello! Oh! You know how some people, like, watch, like, look up at planes and they think, oh, man, I wonder where that thing's going. And I'm always looking at trains like, man, I wish I could be on that train. I love trains. <laughs> you can just hop on the thing and just take it wherever it's going. I hope this loops. <laughs> Gonna, just gonna just keep it I used to take the Amtrak into uh, no, New I, York all the time. I, I actually share. I love trains and Loved boats. It. I don't like planes as much, but I like trains and boats a lot. And yeah. not and Greyhounds, no. If you said it's right by the Buses. Greyhound station, I wouldn't get so excited. No, no. <laughs> There's, yeah. No, buses are not great. Why do we keep seeing chalk marks on the sidewalk? <laughs> all right, uh, let's move along. It's time for the Xbox segment. With Conductor Paul. All righty. All right. So uh, Microsoft President Brad Smith was in Brussels last week to defend uh, his company's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. And uh, I've sort of made points along these lines uh, in the past, but I, I just want to drive home this notion that I'm getting tired of this argument. Um, there's absolutely no valid reason for Microsoft not to be able to make this transaction. I'm really just, I'm really getting impatient, not impatient. I'm getting aggravated by the arguments otherwise because they, they really just kind of boil down to i just don't want them to have it <laughs> you know and it's like yeah that's cute uh that's not how the world works 
But I'm also vaguely actually this is how the, the world notion. works. I'm sorry to say this is exactly yeah. how the world works. And that's what's frustrating. Yes. Okay. But here's the thing. The only major complaint about this is coming from Sony, which is a Japanese-based consumer electronics giant. Um, and the uh, regulatory bodies that are questioning this acquisition are in Europe and the United States. And their jobs are to protect consumers or businesses and competition in their jurisdictions, not to protect Sony. You know, And Sony, the company that's already doing that thing that they're worried that Microsoft will do, and Microsoft only has to agree not to do that thing which is, you know, make everything exclusive to Xbox, which they've already said they will. I'm just, I just don't understand what the problem is, you know. Um, using the FTC's definition of what a console is, Microsoft <laughs> came up with this figure where um, Sony owns 80% of the market, according to the FTC. Uh, I'm sorry, was it the FTC? yeah, the FTC. Um, and uh, it, globally, it's about a 70-30 split, you know. Um, and that leaves out Nintendo because uh, the FTC only considers PlayStation and Xbox to be direct competitors. Um, Sony is basically evil, I think. I, I really yeah, I do. do. I, they're incredibly evil. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm just I'm getting tired of this. I, and I, and so many people come back to me every time there's a um, uh, anyone says, oh, I don't know about this. So the UK comes out and says, oh, maybe you get rid of Call of Duty and it will be OK. People are like, huh? See, it's over. This is the end of it, right? And it's like, you know what? No, I don't think it is. I think the only thing that could stop this from happening now is Microsoft saying we've had enough of this. <laughs> like, I think Microsoft is going to be the one that screws it up because otherwise, what they're going to do is just make the agreements they need to do, and this thing's going to go through. Nobody's saying no. They're just humming and hawing, right? Like to me, this yeah. seems like political hay. This is the political version of the TSA. Let's just make it look like we're doing something. You yeah. Know? And I, I just, because I'm just tired of it. Tech giants are bad right now. So it's a good yeah. time to be hard on tech giants. And antitrust yep. and theater? Exactly. That's, Thank you. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yep. It's antitrust theater. And, um, you know, we'll see. The, the funny thing that came out, so Microsoft, of course, has to make itself look bad for this to make sense, right? So they have to give you all these figures where the Xbox looks like it's terrible. Um, and so some of the numbers they gave were just, were just priceless. Um, depending on uh, how, like, you know, the companies that are ahead of Microsoft in the video game business include such companies as Nintendo and Sony, Apple and Google, Tencent, right? Microsoft is uh, in sixth place, <laughs> according to Microsoft, not even close. And if this acquisition goes through by revenue, they will be, wait for it, in sixth place. <laughs> this doesn't even move them up the chart. Um that it will give them that inroad they want in uh, mobile gaming, which is huge. Um, it will also nicely pad out their cloud gaming stuff, especially. But their well, I should say their subscription gaming service, especially right, because most of this stuff is not going to be streamed. I don't think we're going to be streaming Call of Duty any anytime soon. That's just not going to work. Um, but making it available via Xbox Game Pass uh, to those customers will be huge for Microsoft, and will expand uh, the availability availability of those games. Yeah, World of Warcraft, right? I mean, yeah. that's a subscription model. Yep, yep. One of the big subscription titles, long-term running. But the, you know, the central art, I, I, I just, it bugs me that we even have to make this, con you know, like have this conversation. So Brad Smith says, you know, Sony supposedly is worried that Microsoft's going to take Call of Duty exclusive, even though Microsoft said, here's the agreement. We'll do it for 10 years. We're not, we're not taking it away. We'll put it on your cloud streaming service. How does that sound? Nothing. Sony doesn't even respond to this. And as Microsoft has said repeatedly, and Brad Smith said this past week, you know, taking Call of Duty away from its most popular platform 
is not a great way to turn a $69 billion asset into something that we want to be more valuable over time. Right. <laughs> like what? There's no version of this story where taking this away from Sony makes any sense because uh, they don't take it away from Sony. They take it away from those customers that are on Sony. Right. Um, anyway. The question is how many people would buy Xboxes to play Call of Duty? And I think, I that, don't think, I think it's none. blown. It's going to be it's, a new title, not a not a, not yeah, a next. N- none because the, it, it, Call of Duty isn't better on the Xbox than it is on PlayStation. There's no reason to go that route now. Could that change in the future? I don't. Yeah, could fly, cars fly in the future? Could <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, but that's the thing. Like uh, we can look at what Sony has done. We we can look at what Microsoft says and will be legally bound to, and then we can have dreams about the future that are just based on whatever. And um, I don't, I just, I just, I, there's no rational excuse for saying no to this. And I'm freaking tired of it. <laughs> so, and it's still going. It's still going. With no, oh, yeah. It's going to keep No going. sign of ending. Yep. So the yep. U.S. antitrust stuff uh, will get heard in August by a, uh, right. by a, uh, yeah, unless they're able judge. to settle it before then, right? Because right. that's one of the things that could happen. What's the time frame on the EU? Uh, it's pretty so I think it's April. Okay. Yeah. So this will this will resolve. And there's the UK, right? We have to deal with those non-EU idiots <laughs> to make themselves a separate thing for some reason. Um oh boy. Hold on. Uh, Isn't there an argument though that if those three big jurisdictions all have a problem with this, that maybe there is a problem. Why are they all involved? But they they they're not saying we don't want to do this. They're just humming and hawing, right? Like if there was a they're problem, we got to look at it. Outline the problem, right? They're saying, look, well, see, the FTC we're taking a stand on big tech. Yeah, that's F- what people wanted. FTC says there's a problem. Uh, I don't know about the EU and England. The FTC uh, communications on this topic look like they were written by Sony, and I have a huge problem with this. Um, this is this is in fact my central problem. I just don't get it. I don't understand what they're protecting. It just doesn't make any sense. If this was some, if this was Microsoft coming out and saying, "Look, we're going to do exactly what Sony did, screw them," the United States, the US FTC should be like, "Good for you, good, you do that." That's what defending market, protecting market. Yeah, they've been screwing over the marketplace for years and years. You, you do that. Yeah. Well, get ready because uh, I think Congress is going to ban TikTok, which is yet another. Oh, they're yeah, they are ridiculous they overreach. Are. Sure, they're not alone though. By the way, the EU is going to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, uh, xenophobia is the best, Leo. I just, yeah, it's just, it's just yeah. unbelievable. Well, I, I think it's a distraction from real uh, privacy mm-hmm. violations by American sure. firms as much as by uh, Chinese firms. Um, yep. I mean, do something about data brokers. How about that? Yeah, that's right. Not TikTok. This seems I, to be a well, proxy I, war. We. we the, the, <laughs> We, you've we allowed like Facebook wars. to do what it's done, but for some reason, TikTok is the problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like seriously, right. seriously. I think America I, wants is a, a warlike nation, and we, you know, we're proxy mm-hmm. war with Russia right now in Ukraine, spending right. huge amounts of money on that. It's a, uh, we're passive aggressive, is what we are. Yeah, you know? it's just kind of we don't we don't actually go after them directly. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, not tre- not blood, just treasure. Thank you. It's like when Apple declared total war on Android and then sued Samsung. <laughs> like, wait, what? 
Like, didn't sue Google, you right, know? Right. The company that copied them. Uh, well, I mean, Samsung did too, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. All right, let's talk about games. Right. More about games. More yeah, of that game stuff. Is, what should we got? So, actually, actually, before we get to games, um, Amphir Analysis uh, has estimated that Microsoft has sold approximately 18.5 million Xbox Series X and S consoles compared to Sony's publicly stated 32 million units uh, for PlayStation 5. So that makes sense, right? I mean, this kind of falls into the where we think they are with regards to each other, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there was this, we've we've kind of just stuck with this notion that maybe Sony was outselling Microsoft by about a two to one basis for a while. Uh, that's This is a little bit less than that. Well, it's actually significant. It's about a, almost like a three to two, I would call it. Uh, or close to it. Um, but yeah, so, okay, sure. Now it's likely that that gap will grow in the coming year. Cause Sony just, uh, apparently solved their supply issues. <laughs> so, um, PlayStation fives are readily available now. Um, whereas I think the Xbox series X is in particular is still harder to find, although you can get an Xbox series S, which is the cheap one, um, pretty easily. So that's kind of, I, I, you know, I don't know where these things come from exactly, but I'm always interested in any anything that hints at a hard number because Microsoft will never provide that number. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, da, 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 da. So uh, we know about Xbox Game Pass. Uh, we know about Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, but there's also a PC Game Pass. So this is $9.99 in the United States. Um, this past week, Microsoft made this service available to 40 new markets in preview, including a bunch of countries in uh, Europe, the Middle East, North Africa, and South America. So I would I don't know how many, what the total is. I don't know if there's a total number of markets here, but I have to think, oh, it's 86. There, how many, how many countries are in the world? 87? <laughs> I think this is most of them, right? Um, so if you want to get on the PC Game Pass, uh, chances are pretty good. You can now access that subscription service no matter where you live. Um, it's March 1st today as we record this, and that means we have a new selection of games with gold titles that are coming this month. And if you've been following along, uh, you know that Microsoft dropped this from four games down to two at some point last year because they were running out of games, frankly. And now all the games we're getting are Xbox One or newer titles. Um, so we've typically had two games each month. This month, we're actually getting three, which is great. Um, I don't know what any of these things are, which is not so great. But uh, <laughs> there's something called, um, I'm not going to pronounce this right, but uh, Truber Brook. <laughs> uh, and then there's a World War II themed RTS game called Sudden Strike 4. Complete Ooh. collection, which actually sounds pretty good. And then a survival horror game called Lamentum. <laughs> Why? So, I guess they've run out of all, all the good names to take it at this point. Maybe. Yeah, it's like domain names. Um, yeah, yeah good, good luck with that. Um, and then finally, and actually this is interesting because this, this is kind of uh, Richard themed in both ends. Uh, Microsoft has announced new content for Flight Simulator and Forza Horizon 5. So the new content for... Uh, Flight Simulator is a world update for New Zealand, where Yay. Richard is now. Didn't um, they also end the AN-225? Yeah, there was a plane. That was separate from the world update. But yeah, this, the, the world's heaviest plane, is that the one? Uh, yeah, large, yeah, the six engine, the one that was destroyed in the war. Yeah. Parts for another one. It was yeah. that it transported the Buran uh, space shuttle, the Soviet space shuttle, in the day, back in the day. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, so this one has, uh, it's like high-resolution imagery, right? We've seen this for various places, mm -hmm. but... Um, the previous one, by the way, was, wait for it, for Canada. There so it's almost like they're following you around. I it's wanted weird. to play Flight Simulator, <laughs> my brand new uh, 
TV, yeah. and it took Did it. it? I, well, not yet. It's still downloading. <laughs> oh, it had a, a big, big update. Game. I hadn't updated it in a while. Well, no, I have a terabyte hard drive in that thing. Yeah, yeah no, great. it was on there, but I now I but I all of these updates are many more gigabytes. And, no, I have right. They are. Yeah. Yeah, their so, their world models are beautiful. Really, boring. I know. Really, it's, I know they're astonishing. Yeah, they really are nice. I um, still want to. I want to beat Paul under the Eiffel Tower. That's my goal. <laughs> right. Um, I had to get rid of Flight Simulator on my uh, console because I didn't have enough room for Call of Duty. But um, mm. so you probably are going to beat me. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> um, looks good on that QD OLED. I gotta say, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I bet it does. How big? Seventy six. Seventy seven. Seventy seven. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So world updates for Flight Simulator free. You, if, however you have it, if you have that game, you'll get, you'll get this for free if you want it. And then for, Forza Horizon 5 is also getting new content with a Relic Adventure expansion pack. Um, that's a paid add-on. Uh, the last one they did for this was really cool. That was the Hot Wheels one. Um, but this costs uh, $20. And uh, oh, you can get it as part of an expansion bundle or blah, 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 a different bundle. So. Um, cool. But if you have Game Pass for console or PC, it's free. You can get it through there. That's awesome. I think that's everything. Yep. Yay. Mm -hmm. All right. Before we get to the back of the book. Hey, everybody. It's Leo Laporte, the founder and host of many of the Twit podcasts. I don't normally talk to you about advertising, but I want to take a moment to do that right now. Uh, our mission statement at Twit, we're dedicated to building a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. That's our audience. And you, I guess, since you're listening, by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world. To do that, we also create partnerships with trusted brands and make important introductions between them and our audience. It's how we finance our podcasts, but it's also, and our audience tells us this all the time, a part of the service we offer. It's a valued bit of information for our audience members. They want to know about great brands like yours. So can we help you by introducing you to our highly qualified audience? And boy, you get a lot with advertising on the Twit podcasts. Partnering with Twit means you're going to get, if I may say so humbly, the gold standard in podcast advertising. And we throw in a lot of valuable services. You get a full service continuity team supporting everything from copywriting to graphic design. I don't think anybody else does this or does this as well as we do. You get ads that are embedded in our content that are unique every time. I read them. Our hosts read them. We always over-deliver on impressions. And frankly, we're here to talk about your product. So we really give our listeners a great introduction to what you offer. We've got onboarding services, ad tech with pod sites. That's free for direct clients. We give you a lot of reporting so you know who saw your advertisement. You'll even know how many responded by going to your website. We'll also give you courtesy commercials that you can share across social media and landing pages. We think these are really valuable. People like me and our other hosts talking about your product sincerely uh, and informationally, those are incredibly valuable. You also get other free goodies, mentions in our weekly newsletter that's sent out to thousands of fans. We give bonus ads uh, to people who buy a significant amount of advertising, you'll get social media promotion too. But let me tell you, we are looking for an advertising partner that's going to be with us long term. Visit twit.tv slash advertise. Check out our partner testimonials. Tim Broom, founder of IT Pro TV. They started IT Pro TV in 2013 
immediately started advertising with us and grew that company to a, a really amazing success. Hundreds of thousands of ongoing customers. They've been on our network for more than 10 years. And they say, and I'll quote Tim, we would not be where we are today without the Twit Network. That's just one example. Mark McCrary, who's the CEO of Authentic, uh, he was actually uh, one of the first people to buy ads on our network. He's been with us for 16 years. He said, and I'm quoting, the feedback from many advertisers over those 16 years across a range of product categories is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand, they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm proud to say that the ads we do over-deliver, they work really well because they're honest. They have integrity. Our audience trusts us, and we say, this is a great product. They believe it. They listen. Our listeners are highly intelligent. They're heavily engaged. They're tech-savvy. They're dedicated to our network, and that's partly because we only work with high-integrity partners that we have thoroughly and personally vetted. I approve every single advertiser on the network. If you're ready to elevate your brand and you've got a great product, I want you to reach out to us. Advertise at twit.tv. So I want you to break out of the advertising norm, grow your brand with host-read authentic ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details or email us advertise at twit.tv if you're ready to launch your campaign now. Paul Therat, Richard Campbell. Uh, I just want to put in a little plug you probably have noticed uh, somewhat of a dearth of advertising in all of our shows. That is not for lack of trying. We care a lot. And we have great sponsors, like our sponsor today, Melissa, who know what a big difference advertising on Twit can make for their business. That's why companies like Audible have been with us for so long. But in general, there's a downturn in podcast advertising. And that happens. You know, it's kind of a cyclic business. But we're not we're not funded by a giant corporation we don't have venture capital and so when there's a downturn the lights dim we have to we have to turn off a couple of cameras you know uh worse we might have to cancel shows so what and we don't want to do that so what we do is we go to you and ask you just like public broadcasting does to help us out <clears throat> we created club twit 2 years ago it's been 2 years now to give people a chance to do that it's seven bucks a month. Now you can, by the way, if if you you know you say, well, I'm going to give you three cups of coffee a month. You can up it if you want, uh, but that seven bucks goes right into the general fund, keeps people employed, keeps shows going, helps us start new shows, keeps the club going. What do you get for seven bucks? I think it's a I we we give you a good value for money, ad free versions of everything. So you're paying for it. You don't need to hear ads. You wouldn't even hear this ad if you were a club member. Uh, if uh, if you, if that's not enough, we also give you access to, I think, what is the best social network in the world, our Discord, where people chat not only about the shows, but about all kinds of topics, including travel. And I, you know what? I should start a little trains section for you, Paul. Uh, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Anime, autos, uh, cooking, yeah. beer, oh, wine, shows are good too. alcohol, blue, brown liquor, blue liquor, whatever color liquor you want. Uh, it's all in the Discord, and that's a lot of fun because you're hanging out with people like you who, uh, who are Club Twit members, Club Twit members only. That's one of the ways to make it a great social network. It's just to have a little a bar to entry. It works really nicely. Uh, and, of course, we also give you stuff you don't get anywhere else, including 
on our regular uh, feeds. We have Paul's Hands on Windows show, for instance. Micah Sargent does uh, Hands on Macintosh, the Untitled Linux show, the Giz Fizz with Dick D. Bartolo. And all of that is because the club pays for it. The club members, you're supporting those shows. Uh, so you get them. I think it's a great deal. Seven bucks a month. But mostly the reason you should do it is for the good feeling knowing you're supporting the content you like. Now, if you don't like our content, oh, please don't don't participate. It's okay. It's only if you want to support what we're doing. Uh, I'm, I like our content. I'm proud of what we're doing. I love the team we put together. Uh, and I think we, we do a really good job personally. If you agree, twit.tv slash club twit. Help us out. Uh, we only have one ad in the show today. We only have one ad in uh, Twig yesterday, one ad in Mac Break Weekly. That's not quite break even. That's, that's, that's a, that means it, we're going to lose money uh, on those shows. And uh, we can only do that for so long before Leo's pockets are empty. So help us out here. See? Empty. Nothing. Uh, Twit.tv slash Club Twit. It's an investment in great content, and we are very grateful to you. So with that, I thank all our uh, all our members, all our Club Twit members, and we continue on with what we call the back of the book, Paul Therott and his tip of the week. Oh, two things before that. Sorry. Um, I just did an episode of uh, Hands on Windows for that Moment 2 update that will be out a week from tomorrow. I was hoping to get it in this week, but there wasn't enough time. Great. Oh, um, good. So that's coming. So you get a, a demo. And, then, and you do those in video, right? So people can see all that. And, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's all screen stuff for the most part. God knows people don't want to look at me for too long. And I was just looking, uh, as you started the uh, the ad earlier, I was looking at that Bing thing again. I remember I was telling you that it will load in your default browser, not in uh, yeah. Microsoft Edge, which I, I'm still fascinated by. But I just went to the search interface and I clicked on the Bing logo and it loads Edge. It loads Bing. Edge. No, but it lo no, it loads in Brave, but it puts up this gigantic ad and it says chat mode uh, is only available when you have access to the new Bing. Uh, and then it says, which you have to use in Microsoft Edge. Yeah. So when I go to the new Bing in this browser, I don't get the ability to chat. Let me, let me, let me try to. this. Let me try this. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to really click that search that. pill. Remember, mm -hmm. I set Firefox as my default, right? So that's right. It is the default. I'm going to click this little Bing logo right here. It should load in Firefox. Edge. No, it didn't. I don't know what's going on here. All right. I will say this is the um, unpredictability I do expect from Microsoft. So I appreciate that part of it. Is it? It's um, A/B testing and stuff. I mean, I don't. You know what? I I, geez, I hate to ascribe some, uh, you know, intelligence to what's happening. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I I don't know. This just we literally just got this yesterday. I'm, I'm sometimes A B testing is actually A A testing. A A A A A. Yeah. You know what? I just I'm right. looking here, and even though I had set Firefox as default browser, it still says set. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it's it not. Let's that do this anyway. again. Right. No. Let's do this again. It is the oh, default it wasn't browser. Checked. Yeah. Now okay. let's try it again here. Let's do right. it. Let's hit the Bing, mm -hmm. Ding, and Edge launches. Oops, still coming up in Edge. Yeah. <laughs> so on mine, it's going to Brave. So I don't know. Uh, but you're not. But see, you didn't get in. I'm in. That's right. That's true. And that That's was true. a pre, uh, that was a prerequisite. They might of be forcing it because they really want you know that they're gonna. This is how they're gonna force edge usage potentially is make you use edge to access that feature. Yeah. So oh, this company. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's learn a new skill. Yeah. Let's. So as you know, Leo, because I've been talking about it incessantly for the past five years. Um, 
I have kind of returned to my programming roots. I've been experimenting with programming for a long time now and uh, have written programs and have done all kinds of different things. But there's a there's kind of this gap between, you know, you, I can, you can watch a video about a language or a new version of a language or a new framework or whatever it is. You can listen to podcasts. You can watch. You can read books. You know, but you have to code. Like coding is like golf. You can't like dabble in it. You have to do it. You, know, you have to do the thing to become skilled in it. And it's uh, it requires time, you know, whatever that amount of time is. And it's hard to find the incentive to do things like, you know, I, I, I came up with this thing where I said, well, I'm going to try to, in the original, originally I was just planning to show, demonstrate how easy it would be to create the UI for a notepad like application using XAML. And then as I did it, I realized, you know, it'd be pretty easy just to write the whole application. Maybe I should do that. And I've recreated it in different languages and frameworks and so forth. Uh, but after a while, it's like, okay, I've written, the, I've done the notepad thing a few times. So maybe it's time to move on. It's it's hard to find that that thing. It's hard to find the thing that will keep you coding every day if you're not a professional programmer. So it's not something I do for my job. And so what I found is two things. It, you can, uh, and I, just, I was watching a random video. It was just about JavaScript. It had nothing to do with anything. But this guy had two little bits of advice that I found really interesting. One is, and, and Leo knows all about this stuff. I'm, I, this is not going to be news to you, but. Um, there are coding challenging ch- coding challenges websites like Edibit, where you can go and click on the language you want, and you can go through easy, fun, um, so you know, fun. mediums, yeah. complex, whatever. Yeah, I spent literally three hours on one of these things the other night. Not on one <laughs> challenge. I'm sorry, just on on doing many challenges. Um, I love I, it. I, I, I love it. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I find that to be it's a game for me. There you go. It's a game of it's like a crossword. Yeah, yeah, it's like a crossword right. puzzle, and I do it because I want to keep my chops up and i want to keep my brain right. working because i don't have yep. any coding assignments i'm not, I'm not a professional coder <laughs> i mean i could exactly. i could make no, up no, a no, project exactly like right. your notepad that's exactly right. but honestly i kind of more prefer having these little discrete challenges like the advent of code I do too. project oiler also, is great there's hacker rank uh there's a ton of okay. these yeah yeah hacker I'm not Dojo. I, I have not i've not researched it further I've been i have kind of a whole folder of links to these there you go yeah but there well, are they're, also, they're also good when you are a professional developer because you, there you, you go. Press, yeah. Keep yourself. Yeah. You press against the edges of your skills, right? right. Like normally right. if I'm paying you to develop, I don't really want you to be at the edge of your skills. I want you to be right at that 80% point yeah. where you, I know you can yeah. do this reliably. Right. I like uh, every once in a while to be, I'll just use a simple example. It'd be like, um, you know, count the number of digits in a number. And I think, well, this is really easy. This is in JavaScript. I'll convert it to a string. And then that's easy. You can just parse the string. And then it, 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 you read the instructions and at the bottom says, try to do this without converting it to a string. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, nice. <laughs> I, nice. <laughs> uh, you know, I think for me, uh, never having a, a studied computer science, it teaches, I've, it forces me and teaches me how to learn things like uh, algorithms. The nice yes. thing about advent of code is uh, he will almost always come up with challenges that you have to pay attention to efficiency as well. You know, you, yes. you know, you pay attention to your big O notation because the brute force mm-hmm. method, while it works, will take three trillion years. And so, you, right. and so as a result, you learn these algorithms, um, yeah. you know, and it's, I feel like this is cool. I'm, you know, my, I'm expanding my knowledge and my brain yeah. and it's fun. And, well, and you're using your brain is super healthy. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just really, yeah. To me, it's like, so it's, I, I, it's like woodworking. 
Uh, yeah. I don't, you know, <laughs> right. I remember right. when I was a young guy, an older guy said, you, now, what do you do with your hands? You got to do something with your hands. I didn't really want to tell him what I do with my hands. So I said, I don't do anything <laughs> sure. with my hands. And uh, he said, well, you got to. And I, and I think maybe that's true, except I, I'm just, I'm a klutz. So uh, yeah. I do something yeah, with my I'm brain. Not doing my hands either. Yeah. yeah. I, but it's like that. Yeah. It's something to keep your chops up. I like it. I also, you know, when you think about, like, you could look this up. Like, what are the best, like, I'm looking for ideas. Like, what are the best types of apps I should make? It's, you always get the same list. It's like to-do app, calculator, you know, weather app. You know, it's always the same kind of thing. But the thing that's goofy about that to me is, like, I've looked at so many um, of these things. And, like, you look at a to-do app. Like, every time um, somebody creates a to-do app, they're not really creating a to-do app. They're creating this, like, part of a to-do app. It's just, like... Here's an app that you can you can add to it and you can take away and you can check things off. And it's like, that's cute, but I want this to connect to a back-end service. Like, I want to be able to hit this. I want to be able to sign in and use get this data from anywhere, you know, like a real app, you know. And that that's those things are actually kind of hard to find. Um, so I might – I'm going to look into doing – I might do some uh, – uh, uh, Yeah, your them. exercise is going to be how do I put a file in the cloud that multiple endpoints can connect to you simultaneously. That's right. And actually, the ideal way for me to do that would be to create a to-do app first in a command line environment using C-sharp and whatever, and then do various GUIs on top of it because it's going to be the same back-end code. Like once I figure out how to sync this thing up to the cloud um, – you know, the UI shouldn't matter. The UI is just, you know, window dressing literally. I mean – um, anyway, then you I'm also have to go decide on and merge conflict, right? Uh, okay. Now two different entities are in the yes. same. Yes, 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 now exactly. Now. Right. Exactly. Anyway, there's a whole world out there and I'm look, I, I'm just, uh, I'm interested in programming. So that's my thing. Um, but I feel like if whatever you might be interested in, there must be similar things like this to, you know, if you're learning a, a foreign language, maybe, which I guess is also a language. Yeah, there's, you know, um, there's there, uh, that's a good example because there's 15 yeah. different apps that you could put on your phone that will yeah. teach you a foreign language. Yep. yep. Um, I play chess, <clears throat> uh, chess.com or LiChess, which is free and open source, L-I-C-H-E-S-S, are great sites. You can put it on your phone. You can play against real people, machines. That's another one. Or do problems for this great for your brain. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think this is uh, pretty important. In fact, there were even it's still there's still around these category of uh, apps, brain games apps. <clears throat> yeah, supposedly designed mm -hmm. uh, by scientists to keep your brain nimble. So uh, sure. they have mixes of different styles of games. That's the one thing I worry about with coding is it's a, it's only a, it's this part right here of my brain. So I want to get this right. other part too. Uh, that's why I'm taking up plein air painting, and uh, plein air, plein air. I'm going to get an easel, like plein air. I'm like, going to get a hat. I'm going to go yeah. out in the uh, countryside, and I, are you going to be like Bob Ross, like fluffy little trees, paint the happy little happy trees, happy little trees. Nothing, nothing. Everything is happy accidents. Okay? <laughs> I would like. I always imagine. So I, that's I, how I, I code. By out, the way, everything is I a happy out, accident. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a, an artist in a former life, and. Uh, I always had this dream that I would set up an easel on a, in front of a beautiful landscape somewhere and do exactly what you're describing. Yeah. But then paint some horrific scene so that when people came over to look at what I was looking at, <laughs> HR Geiger, like, what the hell is that? Plein air painting. And I'd be like, that's, that's how I see the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that's Just awesome. a mess. Every, every airplane is crashing. Every car is on fire. <laughs> yep, everything, why is everything on fire in your painting? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh boy, this is fine. <laughs> this is fine, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, I should put together a list because I have. Yeah, I'd like to see one. Actually. I will. Uh, I will. Um, I'll send it to you, and uh, yeah, maybe we could put it somewhere anyway. Because uh, I, yeah, I do. A I want to go these. through and do these in different languages. You know, I'm, I'm right now. I'm just screwing out with the JavaScript for no reason whatsoever. But um, it's interesting to me what the differences are between it and other languages and whatever. But I mean, I could picture you know doing a trying to do the same challenges in different languages. Even you know, there uh, there are a number of them like Hacker Rank that you choose the language. Uh, yes. Some of them, I have to say, I've been spoiled by Advent of Code. The only problem is it's only one month a year, but it's right. really well done because you, everybody gets different problem data, so everybody comes up with a different answer. So you can't really cheat, and and mm -hmm. that means you can write in any language you want. You just have to get that number at the end. Well, I will say, yeah. So the ones I'm doing, it, they have sample uh, inputs, and it, mm -hmm. they give you the results, and then you spit it out in the console, and it's all the right values. And you're like, yep. Yeah, <laughs> like it's always nice. It's a nice little uh, feedback loop, you know. Project Euler is very uh, well known for uh, numeric problems, um, like the one you described. Um, I'm trying to think of some some other ones. I've I've done a whole bunch of them. I, truthfully, uh, because I'm a very slow coder, Advent of Code, even though it's an Advent calendar, so it's just 25 problems in the month of December. Usually takes me right. all year. So, so I have plenty to do. Whatever. I mean, I, you know, but you're not a. I'm not a professional. This isn't your career. No. Right. I mean, well, I'm, yeah. I'm. You know, that's. You get, uh, yeah. I think this is a good use of time. Personally, yeah, I do. Yeah, I love it. If you guys want to put some pressure on yourselves. Start tinkering with Home Assistant. Then you got a little uh, program. Yeah. See, hardware uh, problem. And your wife's <laughs> mad at you. Perfect. Honey, the lights keep coming on. Well, that's so the train can yeah. see as it comes yeah. through town. That pressure, it has to work. Yeah. It's like otherwise, right. otherwise you're just tinkering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am tinkering. I actually, I, to me, it, especially because yeah. I do it in functional mm -hmm. code, it is like making little boxes, little you know, steam yeah. engines that inter interconnect. Uh, and um, and so for me, Don't it's trying to much, get me interested in functional programming. Oh, it's so much fun, it Paul. Train. <laughs> it's just, it's so, so you say, well, I need a little box that does this. And then I need a little box that does this, and we connect the two together. And I need a little box that does that. Uh, Not just going down that path. Right, no code that's hard to read. <laughs> right. My code right. is easy. I do read. value readability over uh, anything else. I, I comment uh, heavily. In fact, yeah. I'm a fan of literate programming. You know that that's the the you know uh, Donald the the Knuth uh, uh, idea that you're really writing prose with some code mm -hmm. snippets, and then the code executes. Sure. Um, but I, I don't actually work in a literate programming environment, so I just have a lot of comments. <laughs> so Donald Knuth, is that how we say his name? Oh, that's uh, how I say it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I, I'm not, I asked because I'm not sure. Um, uh, uh, Charles Petzold to me is kind of a similar character. Yeah, and, legendary. Uh, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, he wrote the programming windows books, which was the straight C API stuff. And, uh, before there was a windows, well, that's not true. There was a windows around the same time. There was early versions of windows. Microsoft at one point was going to go off and do OS2 with um with IBM. Yep. And so the OS yeah, the original OS2 APIs were based on the Windows APIs are very similar. So this wasn't actually in the programming Windows, but it was in programming OS2 and I always thought this was the best. He basically just said there's only two things you got to do to make a Windows program. You create a window 
And then you create a message loop. The rest are just details. I'm like, yep, no, that's true. That's pretty much um, true. Yeah. You, you've, you've obscured the 99.9% of the, the application. That's really hard, but yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's like, yeah. that's a nice way of looking at it, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Well, I, uh, I, uh, that's somebody was complaining. He said, I hope that Windows doesn't become, Windows Weekly doesn't become a programmer's show. Uh, but all wow. three of us do code. One of us does it for sure. real. Uh, well, uh, let me, let me for make me, a, a professional programmer, somebody who's paid to write code. Right. Nobody's paid to okay. write code. So I'll there just, we go. I'll make this defense of that, which is that, uh, and I, this is the premise of that programming window series I wrote and whatever this book is that eventually comes out of it, which is that to truly understand this platform that you claim to love so much, um, you really need to know how to write apps for it. Because that's mm-hmm. how that explains the what of the why. Well, absolutely. You know, and I I would say that that is, I may not still be true, but boy, for when I was starting out learning about computing, the mm-hmm. fact that I could write code and was writing assembly code on Macs and Ataris and was oh, really helpful. Sure, I you had I understood the the hardware how it worked, and uh, that's right. that's held me in good stead. Uh, in, well, in my years. career, you think about it, people who are reporters or reviewers or bloggers now, you go to some Microsoft event, and you're talking to people or engineers, perhaps, about some product, they can quickly figure out who in the room knows what they're talking about. And one of the ways you can know what you're talking about is to have a deeper technical understanding of the topic. Right. Um, there are a lot of people there from mainstream publications who can you know, spot a, a flower in a UI or something, but they don't understand how things are made. And uh, you can see them light up a little bit. <laughs> you know, I, this is something I've experienced over my life where they get a little run down by having to deal with the normies. Right. And then I walk in the room and we start talking and they're like, oh, much, nice. much better. <laughs> like yeah. you understand where we're at. Much like, better. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Some it helps. sense of what's hard and what's easy. Yeah. All right. All right. And anyway, we will, an we will not become a developer <laughs> show. We do like no, to talk no, no, about no. it because it's our, our hobby. No. Uh, but you know, Richard brings a lot of enterprise uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul yeah. is right down in the, in the weeds with how windows works. I think we've got a pretty good team to do this show. And uh, of course, Paul. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, has been covering Microsoft for a long, long time. And I, <sighs> I love Linux. So, uh, that's, those are my credentials. Leo is what we call the Loki character, the, <laughs> the sower of discord and chaos. He just runs in and he's like, what about Linux? What about Linux? <laughs> hey, you guys ever it's tried like, Linux? I use uh, Arch, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so that was, uh, that was our, uh, that was our tip of the week. Yes. This, the app pick will be much quicker. So, I mentioned earlier in the show that I took an ISO create, that was downloaded by Parallels and turned it into a bootable USB drive. Uh, and I used a, a tool called Rufus. Uh, you should use this for this type of thing. Free. Yeah, it is. And the reason it's so great is because it's automatic. It looks at the thing you're trying to make a disk out of and it says, hey, it looks like you're trying to make a Windows boot disk. Do you? It, it's, it needs to be like this. And you're like, yep, you do whatever you want. And if it's a Windows 11 ISO, it actually gives you those choices now where you can bypass the hardware requirements if that's what you want to do. So it's kind of the all-in-one tool. Uh, it's a portable version if you want that, but lightweight, super easy to install, super easy to use, really quick too, by the way. Um, it's just uh, This is the one of those tools that should be in everyone's tool set. So uh, I can't yeah. imagine most of you haven't heard of it, I guess. <laughs> so, we but we all endorse it. 
Yeah. Yes. Very, very good. Uh, and Rufus was briefly the way you could use a local login, right? Is that, that's not the case anymore? It or? still is. No, no, they still do it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's one of the things they bypass. Yep. yep. What's on this week on Run As Radio? Is, is, is it running without you or are you still doing it from afar? Uh, you know, it's all pre recorded. So these are actually shows that I recorded at uh, the NBC conference in London uh-huh. a few weeks ago now, actually. It's been a while. And so uh, this is the first time I'd ever talked to Leslie Cordero. She works for the New York Times in their IT department. And we were, we were talking about reliability management. We actually got really stuck on this one key topic, which was when you're on call, so you're being paid to be available to provide some, you know, support on demand or for reliability, like keeping, keeping a site up through the weekend, that kind of thing. What do you do when you're not actually fighting the fire? And so, and often these folks are also writing code. So it's like, well, then you work on your sprint items. And she pushed it back on that saying like, no, because it's so interruptible, the code you write for your sprint in those scenarios is yes, inevitably bad. True. Yeah. So she was pushing back on the, more on this idea of work on preventative measures, mm-hmm. fix stuff, like the, more of the things you would never otherwise get to that tend to be smaller. In fact, it's, it's worthwhile to build up the sort of repertoire of projects inside of your organization that are, they're all maintenance, uh, they're, they're technical debt, they're those kinds of things that can be tinkered with in the eight or 10 hour shift you're doing on call makes sense. Uh, in between. Oh, do your automation, do your DevOps stuff, stuff like that. All, all those kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, anyway, it turned into a real powerful conversation. That I thought it sounds great. It. Yeah. A wicked smart person. Just like she's got it going on. It's, it's fun to talk to somebody who's in the trenches, like had been on call that week. Wow. Well, At New York Times, too. Wow. Very interesting. Times. Cool. Uh, well, did I know you... she's got her hands full because she has to deal with Kevin Roos. So. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you think yes, I have to say, uh, having worked in uh, organizations covering technology where you have people like me, the the reporters, and you have the actual IT people and technology people for the most part, they must hate each other. They you just they go get out of here. Very clear of each other. They yeah. know we're near each other. The yeah. guy in the meeting is like, get out of yeah, here. Yeah, but do you know that? No. He's like, yeah, yeah, we know. Have just you heard up. of React? It's really, I'm mean, very <laughs> yeah. excited about jQuery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and they go, yeah, get out of here. Uh, more, most of the IT people I've worked with have have real, just like that thing you talked about, Paul, where you, if you could say a few things that sound, are you using uh, Postgres or MySQL today? They uh, they get uh, they get a little more excited. They just yeah. bury their heads in their hands. <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. No 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 no. Here we go. Nothing you would care about, Leo. <laughs> do you? I tell you what I care about: brown liquor. What do you got for us? Well, you know we've been doing this uh, "How You Make Scottish Whiskey" series, and uh, last week we were talking about the barley part and the fact that most because there's so much demand for Scottish whiskey these days, most barley is shipped to the distilleries as grist, already malted, dried, and ground to specification. Uh, and we haven't really gone through all of these different steps. So we, we know it's a particular kind of barley that they, they tend to use, particularly the two-row uh, barleys. Uh, but malting, you know, we talk about whiskey being single malt, and we can get into what single malt actually means at some point. But malting is the process of turning that dry kernel of barley uh, into enough sugar 
sugar that you can actually make some wort from it through a wash process. So you have to essentially sprout the barley. That's malting. Oh. And again, most distilleries today uh, have this done by a commercial service. They don't do it themselves. But there are an exception, and that's my pick of the day, which is from the Beaumont Distillery. The, their Beaumont 15, which is a favorite of mine, um, not especially pricey, about 70 US dollars if you can find it. It is a peated whiskey because it is from Eiley, and we'll talk about why that is. Uh, and uh, aged in, in bourbon casks, American bourbon casks, because they're plentiful, and then finished in sherry casks. So again, you, you don't know when you put it into a barrel how long you're going to leave it in the barrel for, but when it gets to a certain flavor profile, if you're happy with it, then you would put it into a finishing barrel for three years or so. So for a Bowmore 15, it's been 12 years in bourbon, and now it's been three years in sherry, and you get it quiet out with a color burnt sienna, this very reddish color in the whiskey. Drinks very nicely, you know, uh, a smooth, but peated. Yeah, because peated after you, tough. We, yeah, you have to be up for the peat. Is that something you want? And <laughs> Bowmore is an unusual distillery because they malt their own barley. So they buy barley from a bunch of different places. They don't can't only get it in Scotland. They don't get enough of it. And then they'll soak it in water for 27 hours, as they say. They're particular about the river to get the water from, you know, all these little details. And then they'll spread it out on these stone floors in their malt barns. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and let it sit for days. And about every 24 hours, they'll turn it. They'll, they'll turn over the malt until it's sprouted, until it's what they call green malt. So you are, the, the long-chain carbohydrates that are made in the seed that are very durable begin to enzymatically process into sugars, which then can be made into the plant. So now you have a little bit of root poking out the bottom of the seed, a little bit of stem poking out the top of the seed. It's been malted. And now it has to be killed, dried. And so that is and now it has to be killed. K I L N. He's pronouncing <laughs> it properly. Killed. I was like, okay. killed. Killed is how you say yeah. it, though. Yeah. Gotcha. But sorry, killed sorry, is sorry. also correct because you are going to now kill the plant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I sprout. You know, it's funny sugar. because when I make brown rice, I sprout it. I like sprouted grains uh, for uh, there was more healthful for you. So it's yeah. interesting. Well, it's, I didn't realize that's what malting was. Yeah, it makes it more healthy. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Easier to digest. Yeah. So um, dry, went to, to dry the malt to stop it from growing before you're going to now grind it up to then send to the wash. Um, it's put into kilns where it is heated, uh, typically about 60 degrees centigrade, enough to, to stop the growing process and be ready for grinding. Dry it out enough that it'll grind well, not go mushy. Now, the uh, Isle is a region in Scotland. It's an island. It's an island and it's extremely windy. And so they don't have very many trees there. And so they use peat to run their furnaces for oh, malting. Wow. Because they don't have anything else. And that's where the smoke flavor, the peaty flavor comes from. Oh. Is that you you have peated the the, the malt by drying it by burning malt. By, by burning peat. I'll be diggity danged. Look, they do it in a barn that's made of windows. They they malt nice. <laughs> The Windows logo. Yeah. Uh, like this it. is really interesting, Richard. I'm glad you're doing this. I also know this would be a good whiskey to have for this weekend because Formula One kicks off this weekend, and they have an Aston Martin what? version of the Bowmore, which is hysterical. Wow. Uh, and I'm a Fernando Alonso fan, so I am, I'm going to get a little 
one of these Aston Martin oh, an versions. Old, an old Aston. Look yeah. at that old Aston. Yeah. That's the awesome. James Bond Aston Martin. And there's right, that's the F1 That's a pre-James car. Bond Aston. So I'm gonna, well, this one is, the, yeah, these are the racing Astons. So I'm going to definitely have right. to go with one of those for uh, hmm. F1 weekend. Wow. Well. Bowmore. So that's the, the Bowmore. Um, this is a cigar whiskey. If you like smoking cigars, which I do, right? you'll like this whiskey. Yeah. They'll, yeah. They'll get, those two get along very, very well. I do not like cigars. Yep. <laughs> but when I'm, um, say, smoking uh, a brisket, if I'm soaking <laughs> myself through smoke, I'm perfectly happy to be drinking some smoke. There you go. Uh, I, don't, I can't smoke cigars. Bad for you. But I do smoke a lot of brisket. I'm going to get some Bowmore. We'll have yeah. an F1 and brisket weekend. How about that? Hey, that'd be get some good fun. The jury's still out on which is worse for you, smoking cigarettes or eating brisket. But, you know, we'll, we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> Listen, but if you had to choose. Pretty, pretty sure <laughs> the jury's like, not out. I feel like you kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how much brisket you ate. Mm-hmm. Um, whether sure. you eat the yep. fatty end or the dry end. Anyway, that is another story for another day. Richard, you're great. Thank you for going all the extra mile to... I know. Do the show from Auckland to New Zealand. It's worked out very well, I think. And tomorrow, I could never do week. this in, en route. That is yeah. amazing. Well, it did. Do, it worked out great. Week we'll be at the farm. I'll try and stick a camera outside so you can see. We really the, the farm is in the Shire. Those yeah. rolling yeah, yeah, yeah. hills. Nice. So forth, so. I hope all That's your great. doors are round. Yeah, uh, not true, but yeah. Richard is the star, the host. The man in charge of Run As Radio, runasradio.com. He also does .NET Rocks. You'll find him on both those places. Keeps very busy. Always appreciated. And, of course, our newest co-host. People still come by and say, where did Mary Jo go? I know. So you would listen know. a you guys lot, must don't be, you? You must be big fans, huh? That's what I, gets me. It's like, <laughs> it's just, oh, I really miss yeah. Mary Jo. She's been gone for months. That's like when people write me and they say, how come? You know, here's a news story you might be interested in. You're like, thanks uh, for that link to The Verge. I wrote about this three days ago. <laughs> uh, don't send him links to The Verge, kids. Uh, Mary Jo is doing great. I know you're in regular touch with her. We're going to mm-hmm. get her on for the next earnings learnings if we can. Uh, but she is mm-hmm. she is busy as an analyst uh, now. Uh, yeah, we'll and, get her. We'll get her on here. Yeah, it'd be great to have her back. But Richard is a very capable replacement. We're really thrilled to have Richard on the show. Thank you, Richard, for joining the yeah. the team. Of course, Paul Thorat started this show way back when. I was, I was listening. Windows to, XP was still the going concern <laughs> when we started this show. It's mind boggling. Uh, yeah. We've grown old together, Paul, you and I. Uh, he true. is at therot.com, T-H-U-R-R-O-T-T.com. Uh, and, of course, his book, The Field Guide to Windows 11, is at leanpub.com. It is it is encapsulates The Field Guide to Windows 10. You get both for one price. And soon, a new book. He's working on it right now, leanpub.com. Next time we speak, I guess it'll be in Mexico City. Yes, yep, I'll be in Mexico. It'll be a truly international show all over the world. That yeah. should be fun. Yeah. Uh, we do Windows Weekly on uh, Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, if you are in Auckland, you will be glad to know it is 1900 UTC <laughs> on a Thursday. Well, you'll be less glad to know it's about <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning for you or whatever time. It must be something like that. It... <laughs> He says it's five hours plus a day. I don't know what that. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know the math. That's on a lot that. of hours. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Do join us if you want to watch live at live.twit.tv. Watching live, chat live at irc.twit.tv. You don't need an IRC client, just a browser. Although if you have one, we actually it's a real IRC, amazing real IRC chat room. We also have a Discord, a little something a little more modern, a Discord chat room. Chief, the chief difference is the Discord chat room has animated GIFs. Uh, but that's for the club members. Uh, if you're not a member, join, and uh, you can join us in the Discord. After the fact, on-demand versions of the show available at the website, twit.tv slash WW for Windows Weekly. There's a Windows Weekly YouTube channel, and of course, you can always subscribe in your favorite podcast player, and that way you'll get it the minute it's available. Uh, we thank you all for being here. All you winners and all you dozers, have a great week. We'll see you next time on Windows Weekly. Bye-bye. Hey, I'm Rod Pyle, Editor-in-Chief of Ad Astra Magazine, and each week I join with my co-host to bring you This Week in Space, the latest and greatest news from the final frontier. We talk to NASA chiefs, space scientists, engineers, educators, and artists, and sometimes we just shoot the breeze over what's hot and what's not in space, books, and TV. And we do it all for you, our fellow true believers. So whether you're an armchair adventurer or waiting for your turn to grab a slot in Elon's Mars rocket, join us on This Week in Space and be part of the greatest adventure of all time.